And now, introducing two men who have also lent their full support to Baltimore as it pertains to the 2026 World Cup bid. However, they are slightly offended that the state lieutenant governor and mayor have been given preferential treatment and that they weren't also on the field for Thursday morning's announcement. In honor of Space Jam 2's theatrical release, they have not only abandoned all other plans for their Friday evening, but have also been devising multiple methods to ensure that neither the anvils nor pianos are confiscated on their way into the movie theater. They are not Glenn Clark. Good morning. Glenn Clarkless Radio, Glenn Clark Radio, I mean, it's both. Uh, it's Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. We got a fun show ahead this morning. Believe it or not, I believe perhaps some of you have heard of somebody by the name of Glenn Clark. Uh, if you haven't and you're listening to us, well, then I question, in general, how you got here. But welcome, regardless. Uh, he's going to call in in just a second to update us on his trip to Georgia, uh, all that he's been getting into, maybe get his thoughts on what the Orioles did in the draft and some other odds and ends, as I'm sure he's gained six pounds watching the Suns lose the past two games. <laughs> um, we also will be joined by Aberdeen Ironbirds first baseman and Orioles prospect J.D. Mundy, who has uh, been hitting some home runs this year for both the Delmarva Shorebird and the Aberdeen Ironbirds after being called up a little bit ago. Uh, and then we'll chat some fantasy football with KZ's friend Anthony Servino, the uh, founder of the Fantasy Football Faceoff. And uh, looking forward to getting his insights as the 2021 NFL season nears. But uh, today's show is also brought to you by Grade 8's Memorabilia. And uh, coming up Sunday, July 25th, as Glenn is now calling in. Give me one second. Hello. Hi, Glenn. All right, I'll patch there. I'm doing a read. <laughs> coming up Sunday, July 25th. Uh, the return to training camp with a crab feast featuring Baltimore edge rusher Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Your $108 VIP tickets get you the crab feast with Maryland steamed crabs, a buffet of Jimmy's Seafood favorites, an open bar, and your VIP meet and greet and autograph opportunity with Tyus Bowser. The event benefits Casey Cares and cannot be missed, so get your tickets now by going to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, Great Eights Memorabilia. Dot com. Without further ado, uh, we welcome in the namesake of the program, who has uh, abandoned us for two weeks plus, as he is in Georgia. Uh, Glenn Clark joins us now on Glenn Clark Radio. Welcome, Glenn. Good morning, boys. How are you? We're Lovely. Alive. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I apologize in advance. I have no idea if my cell phone service will stay. I am... Uh, I'm in a part of Georgia that's so rural that, as I displayed yesterday, uh, I literally had two horny goats run out in front of my car in the middle of a road yesterday. Um, I, this is this is where I am, and so whether I keep cell service or not, that remains to be determined. But I hope I pre can. I, I greatly appreciate uh, you being there this week, so I could spend some time with my family. And 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 Kyle, you had to be there, so I pre appreciate nothing. Well, that's nice of you. Um, yeah. Did you get any powder from the goats? What? Horny goat powder. That's a thing. That people put I, it in I, like, I, supplements. I, I literally have no idea. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't get any of that. If you but, were to ever uh, buy, if you were ever, I'm sure you've bought um, pills from the gas station before. I think oh, that yeah, might yeah. be in it. <laughs> big, big gas station pill guy over here. I, I, uh, no, I've never, I don't know anything about horny goat powder, pal, but I appreciate it. I'll, I'll, I will look into that if I, if I end up having some problems in that department. Just trying to help out. 
Um, yeah. So the highlights of your trip, I want your top three. <laughs> uh, I want to know it right now. You can't think. You just need to I'm, say it. Guys, guys, I'm down here visiting my grandfather who's about to die. It's okay. not exactly like a celebratory. I, you want to talk about like the whether I'm, I'm nervous about the suns. I all talk about I that. But the, I, this, uh, was, this was not a celebratory. Did you, did you, are there any chips left? Uh, I know there was very concerning on – on Twitter about the snacks chip, the situation. snacks during the stress the games. eating. Wait, say that again. I, I, you're stress, sorry, you're you stress eating. You you had you had tweeted oh, or yeah, written about uh, that yeah, you didn't yeah, know if yeah. you would have I, enough uh, chips I, left. I I bought like one bag of trail what? this week, and uh, other than that, it's a really disappointing snack situation for when you're stress eating your way through a game in which Chris Paul decides he doesn't know how to basketball any longer. Just really a uh, a shame that that would happen in Game Four of the NBA Finals. So yeah, that was that was problematic for me. That was an issue that uh, I hadn't I hadn't invested more in the snack department going into my 92 year old grandfather's house. Are we are we under the impression that Chris Paul's like his hand is hurt and that's why he's sucked? Yeah, I mean he's definitely hurt. There's no question about it. But it's 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 clearly something beyond that. It's it's he's he's unwilling to shoot. I mean if his if your hands hurt and that's the reason why you can't shoot, then you can't play. You just have to say, period, I can't play, and that sucks and it's awful, but there's got to be something beyond that. It's got to be mental to some extent, and you know whether it's feeling the pressure of being literally within two games of finally doing this thing and it almost certainly being your last chance to do it in your career, whatever it is, but I, you, he can't be on the floor if it's really the hand. If it's something beyond that, it's got to be something that can be figured. Like this is where you, there is an amount of trust in Monty Williams, who for everything that you could ask for in a coach, there is nothing that he can be better suited for than um, than than handling some situations that players find themselves in. Um, you know, he he sat Devin Booker for the majority of game three, and a lot of people would say, that's insane. This is one of the best players in basketball. What are you doing? Well, as it turns out, it, it led to a 40-point performance from Devin Booker in game four. Unfortunately, um, they called an insane fifth foul, and then hilariously after they called yeah, a fifth yeah, foul yeah. that didn't happen, they refused to call another one despite the fact that he committed three uh, more. That was a clean block. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, that, but I get it. Like, they – what happened, and this is the part that nobody knows, what happened in game four, if you only watch the end, you only see the one thing. They called two terrible fouls on Devin Booker, and they got together and said, we can't call any more fouls because we've effed up, because somebody told us we screwed up. Now, it's a bigger basketball problem, like to suddenly say we're not going to call a foul any longer. I, I, you got to figure that out. you just got to get the foul calls right. And they never overturn anything in basketball anymore because – everything's a 50-50 call, so when you go back and look at it in replay, you're not going to see anything ever that's going to drastically change your mind. So it, it, I don't know how you handle this problem of what you do when you make bad foul calls. I don't think that the answer is you can't call a foul no matter how clear and obvious a foul is, but I, I sort of get what they were trying to do, and the 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 fifth foul they called was far more damaging. Devin Booker had complete control of that basketball yep. game, and the Suns were pulling away. And they called a phantom fifth foul that absolutely did not occur. And then when Devin Booker went out, all of a sudden the Bucks were in the game. So everybody that was freaking out about the the sixth foul that wasn't called, okay, sure. But nobody's talking about the fact that the game completely changed when they called a fifth foul that didn't happen, and that's that's basketball. Like that's it's it's Devin Booker's fault for picking up four fouls before that, one of which was also phantom too. But that's his fault. But 
I mean, basketball's a crazy game in that way, especially, and that's why they so desperately needed Chris Paul to be a player in Game 4 because of what happened with Devin Booker, and unfortunately, it just wasn't the case. So where the the series goes back to Phoenix, where mm-hmm. are you with, with confidence right now that the Suns can I, I, still I, do this? I, any, in, a, in a reasonable voice, I, I, we, we are such slaves to recency, in the world of sports that whatever team wins two games, you, there's a lot of people just say, well, now that's the team that's going to win. In, in any normal uh, observation, if you were playing a three-game series and the team that's had you know, an insane home court advantage gets two of them at home, you'd presume that team would win. So I'm, I don't know, 51-49 towards the Suns right now. I feel slightly better than 50-50 about it, but I'm I'm certainly nervous. There's no Chris Paul's not right. Right. And right. if Chris Paul doesn't get right, really then have. the Suns have a problem. Devin Booker's fouling has been Look, the Suns part of the reason why they're here is because they've been an outstanding defensive team all season. They've been unbelievable defensively and it's part of the story that that gets told a little bit but not fully. And because they're such a good defensive team, Devin Booker is a bit too aggressive and gets called for fouls. So that's probably not going to go away over the course of the next two to three games. So they absolutely have to have – look, to, to, to their credit, all these other guys have played well in stretches. Cam Johnson has been unbelievable. Um, campaign was certainly far better earlier in the playoffs than he's been recently. Um, they haven't really figured out what he should be doing. He's a slasher. He's not a shooter. Um, you know, Mikael Bridges, if there's a disappointment, Mikael Bridges has not really pleased, not done the things they needed. And Jay Crowder is Jay Crowder. There's going to be nights where he doesn't miss a shot. There's going to be nights where he doesn't make a shot. He's just going to keep shooting. It's who he is. You deal with it because he's a solid defender, and he gives you another option to try to avoid DeAndre Ayton getting into foul trouble. So you kind of live with that. They need Mikael Bridges to play better. They need him to knock down his looks when he gets them. Um, I, I, I feel better than 50-50, but if Chris Paul isn't right, it, it's not going to happen. They, they, we're going to find out tomorrow night. If Chris Paul's right and they're playing at home, there is no reason. The two games at home were not close. They weren't competitive. They, they were dominated by the Suns. And it wasn't because Giannis wasn't, wasn't right yet. He was playing great in both games. They were just at home, and the Suns are a better basketball team as a whole when Chris Paul is healthy than the Bucks are. But if Chris Paul's not – they're in trouble. There's, I mean, there's no getting around that. They're, they're in drastic trouble. I feel, I don't feel good because I, what I've seen of Chris Paul of late says to me I can't feel good. So, I, you know, it's going to suck tomorrow night. I'm going to be in a car driving back, and I'm going to have to watch on an iPad and flipping out. Uh, my poor father has to drive while this is going on, and I'm losing my mind. And and uh, we'll stop at a you know a quickie mart or something and pick up some snacks. But it's going to be it's it's hey it. It's really tough right now, man, because I felt obviously great after game two and, and had no idea what was coming with Chris Paul. Just I think the other thing that people – them losing Dario Saric really hurt mm-hmm. them too. That mm-hmm. really hurt them in a way that's not being discussed because he's not a star. Um, but, boy, they, that what Dario Saric was giving them at, that Frank Kaminsky sure as F cannot give them or give anyone, and it's no offense, he's fine for what he is, but he's never going to be a difference maker – they are really hurting having lost Dario Saric, and it was a far bigger storyline than it was given credit for when it happened. How do you, and you've talked about it before, how do you explain the Suns just not manufacturing touches for Aiton? Yeah, I mean, they, they, we talked about this a lot. They, they don't do it. They just don't do it. It's, it's, they are, in game two, they refused, they weren't even taking mid-range jumpers in game two, which is their best, that's their best. 
big mid-range jumpers. Um, in game two, they were just taking threes and, and knocking them down, and it didn't matter because they hit enough of them that they were able to pull away. That, that's a frustrating thing, and if you want to get on Monty Williams about something X's and O's-wise, I'd absolutely get it. At some point, you stop. And you say, no, this isn't, this isn't how this works. We need to go inside. We go through DeAndre Ayton, and we've been at our best mm-hmm. when things have gone through DeAndre Ayton. It's the reason why we're here is because things went through DeAndre Ayton. And, again, I, I think part of it is you're dealing with a bunch of guys who have never – Jay Crowder is the only player that's ever been in an NBA Finals before. And his NBA Finals experience was getting um, escorted out of it very quickly in front of no one in – well, in had, the Orlando Milk House last they year. They had virtual like, fans. Yeah, they had virtual fans. He, he's No one's ever actually been in an NBA, fi- a real NBA Finals before. And so it appears clear that even – the games have been super wonky. Like, I know the Bucks were really good in Game 3. I'll give them that. But again, the Suns were really good in Game 1. Games 2 and 4 were utterly wonky that had, you know, decent uh, stretches, right? But they've been really wonky basketball games where it has been apparent that nerves have been a significant factor and the lack of experience in this situation has been relevant and guys just defaulting back to whatever they do on a playground, which is it's over and I do it on my own and I don't worry. I, I, that has been utterly apparent. We've all seen the Suns are at their best when they have constant movement and things go through DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, to their credit, obviously, Devin Booker was trying to give it DeAndre Ayton and it turned into the moment of the series for the Bucks the other night when De- and Giannis got the block. But I, there's no explanation for it other than just lack of experience and sort of panic. And look, it's still 2-2. You know, despite all that, it's still 2-2. So um, transitioning to the Orioles here, um, second half of the season, a lot of bit. No, just joking. Um, I mean, what would I say? It was a joke. It was a say? joke. You want me to say something about the draft? Uh, That's what I want. I know. Look, you're going to say the requisite. You don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. Yep. It will not matter until three years from now when we have actual information and see how these players perform. Um, a lot of fans were upset that there weren't more prep players drafted, that when they drafted Colton Kowser in the first, that they drafted two seniors, fourth and fifth round, they're figured to have been savings and that people were expecting there to be high school players drafted in rounds 11 through 20 to capitalize on those savings or use the entirety of the budget allotment. Um, Were you surprised that it was so heavy college were you no. at all disappointed that there weren't any high school players drafted? Like, what is your overall sentiment acknowledging, again, that you will say, right, you don't know anything and you won't pretend to yeah. know anything? Yeah, I mean, my sentiment is it, the only thing that I can offer you is the thing that I said beforehand is that timeline has to matter at some point. And if if that's a sign that they think that they know what the timeline is, that's a good thing. Now, I don't know that that's true either. It could be nothing more than – this is just what we're going to do now moving forward. It's it, it's this goofy thing where we have all this evidence in front of us, and yet we still want to cling to, yeah, but that wasn't always the way. Mike Elias has made it very clear. The thing that he likes is, is college bats. There's, there's no it, – it's like a year ago when the Ravens drafted J.K. Dobbins and we were still trying to think, well, maybe they're going to throw the ball more. Maybe No, they made it very clear. They wanted to run the ball. Michael Elias has made it abundantly clear. We have all the evidence that we need. He wants college bats. That's what he wants. Um, is that the right way to go about doing it? I can't tell you. Is, it, is there less risk involved? A lot of smart people 
tell you, yes, there's less risk involved now. Those same smart people might say there's less reward involved when all you're doing is drafting college bats. But that's that's what he's going to do. He's made his mark. We now know he's going to draft college bats. At some point, might that change? I guess it's possible, but this is this is who he is. This is his strategy. Um, do I think that they're set pitching-wise? Absolutely not. Not, there's not. I don't think they're set in any department. I don't think other than we – I'm pretty sure Adley Rutschman's going to be a good baseball player, and that's about the only thing I can tell you they're set with. Um, and even that, I'm, I'm giving a caveat to it. So I, I don't think it's worth reacting too strongly. The, the question becomes whether these guys turn out to be baseball players. The Colton Cowser thing was always the safest bet. Literally, my buddy, our buddy Justin Labore asked me like three hours before the draft, if, you know, gun to your head, and, and again, why? Put mm-hmm. it down, please. Um, I, I, what, what are you betting on? You, uh, the safest bet was always Colton Cowser. It was always the safest bet because it was not an extreme reach. It was a high-level player and a guy that was likely to be there and something they could do and they could feel safe about. It, it was a weird draft in that way. I don't know if there were six other college bats. I don't know guy that people thought of as under slot. As you saw, the first round was wonky. I think what we learned way more of in this draft is that the the there was not a shared opinion about all of these players. So when we freak out and say, "Well, this guy was a reach," this was I don't know, man. I have no idea if anybody was a reach. Mar- Marcelo Mayer, we thought it separated himself right until he hadn't. Um, you know, the Mets uh, paid overslot in order to get Kamar Rocker a little bit later on, and maybe that'll look genius because Kamar Rocker will, will end up being a great pitch. Be the reasons why a lot of teams said we're not going to do that will prove to be the case. I I can't. The, if I have a hope, my hope is that this franchise is identifying a timeline with Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall and saying, we think these guys represent our timeline the way that they should have done it with Manny Machado. And we're going to build for that. And right now, high school players don't work for that timeline. Or we don't think the high school players that were, were here would have fit that timeline. We need to capitalize on this timeline and make it work and i hope that they send those guys buy guys out of arbitration i hope that it's not just a it's all in on five years but until i see this organization do that i can only work with the evidence that i have which is you've got to find a timeline you've got to find a window by which you can compete they appear to have a few players that could help them do that and they appear to be drafting around that timeline so it's not me saying it's a big thumbs up because I have no idea if Colton Calzer is going to prove to be a special player or a difference maker in, in, in any sort of way. But I, I hope it means that they are all on the same page as an organization about what the timeline is, when it needs to work, and what they'll be willing to do in order to make it work when we get to that timeline. Do you think by the time you return to the studio, the Orioles will have traded anybody? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I they, well, they traded somebody. Maybe I mean, with, with Jack Peterson got traded last night. Is that yeah. the story? Yeah. Like, yeah. May, maybe somebody will trade for Paul Fry. I mean, maybe Tanner Scott. I'm, maybe. I'm, maybe I don't. You know, that Some one's another one that's weird to me. Like, I, you're going to have to undersell if you want to trade. I, I know that Tanner Scott's pitched better of late, but you know, you're people still want to believe that this is a hundred mile an hour uh, left handed arm and it should be of of real value. And there's just no world in which right now Tanner Scott has real value on a trade market. Would somebody trade for him? Absolutely. But it, it wouldn't pacify what it is that an Orioles fan thinks you should be getting for Tanner Scott. So so you don't think they would be or should be looking to do a similar deal that returned Taron Vavra with the Givens trade? 
I mean, you you can, but the upside for Tanner Scott is always going to be viewed more significant. Michael Gibbons did not have Tanner Scott's upside. So you can do that trade, and, and who knows? Maybe it'll prove to be helpful at some point. I have no idea if the Michael will be helpful or not. Maybe it will. Um, you could do that trade if you want to. That's fine. But there's going to be a fan base that's going to sit back and say, this is a guy that had electric stuff that we thought could be a difference maker in the back end of a bullpen, and you're trading him for parts. You want to do it? Fine. Nobody's saying you can't do it. But you're essentially giving up at that point and saying it was never it was never going to is why none of this is going to be there's nothing that can happen now that's going to bother me i mean like if, if you traded away cedric mullins for nothing that would probably bother me but even then you know you got to tell me what the nothing is i guess and i don't think they're going to do it so it's not even worth the the conversation there's very little they could do that could bother me there's a bunch of trades they can make for the sake of making trades there's nothing that they have that is such an extraordinary piece with the exception of john means and because he's not healthy i don't know what you're going to be able to do um, there's nothing that's such an extraordinary piece that it's so critical that they trade him. If they trade it, you know, if they can get a couple starts out of John Means before the 31st, and there is still somebody that wants to, to give you a king's ransom for him, I, I'll go back. I'll default to all the things that I've said before. I just find that unlikely given the fact that he hasn't pitched in a while. But you're not getting a king's ransom for Cedric Mullins. As we all like Cedric Mullins. He's played good baseball for three months. It's not happening. You are not robbing someone's system for a guy who's played good baseball, really good baseball, for three months. I mean, you're, you're just not doing that. We want to imagine scenarios that don't happen in baseball. That doesn't happen. So I see no reason why that's a conversation. You're not robbing someone's system for Trey Mancini. If you want to make the trade, you can do it. I, you know, I've compared it to um, – the the oh god what was the 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 Red Sox trade from a year ago god why am I Moreland. blanking on on yeah Mitch Moreland you can do that um, again you're going to end up having a really upset hurt fan base because of it because you're trading away one of the most popular players in recent Orioles history and you're just not getting all that much for him but you can do it if you just feel like you have to and I know there's plenty of people that have that opinion that you have to with Greg Amzinger on last week and he's under the, under under the opinion that you have to so. You can do it. I, it'll. It's a tough one. This is a wonky trade deadline for the Orioles, where there's just they don't. This is not. They don't have anything other than John Means that that is going to change their 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 futures. And John Means getting hurt really screwed that up. And not to say that trading John Means was ever the right answer. It's just that that was the one that you had. Um, a year from now, we might have a different Cedric Mullins conversation. If they're not interested in buying out his arbitration years, and he plays like this for another year, there will suddenly be a far greater chance that you can really do get something for him at that point. Can't do that right now. That you just—that's not the way the baseball works. You don't suddenly look at three months of baseball and say, "Forget everything we've ever scouted about a player. He's played well for three months, so obviously that's who he is." I get that we love him, but it's—that's unreal. That's not something that's going to occur. I'll, I'll say this: if if Tanner Scott's going to be a, a really good Major League Baseball player, if I'm the Orioles organization, he's going to be one in my organization. Because I agree yeah. with you, you're not you're not going to get anything really, really. Nobody's giving up their, you know, seventh best prospect or or right. top ten prospect for Tanner Scott right now, and a left-handed arm that can throw a hundred miles an hour. If he ever figures it out, he's going to figure it out for me and nobody else. Right. And that's just so. My... Yeah, to your point, Ken, it's a great point. It's, you're doing it for the sake of doing it, right. and you do it. Sure, I mean, you can do it. 
But there's it, the return is not so significant that you need to do it. And I think your take is probably uh, the more reasonable one to me, which is it's not hurting us. No. We are still not at a point yet. And by the way, it's not even that it's not hurting us. He's in fact pitched well recently. Correct. So we would say at the moment it's helping you. Um, the, if Tanner Scott had pitched super well from day one of this season, maybe there would be a world in which you could really get something from him. He's pitched well for the last couple of weeks. That's not going to change what it is that you can get um, at the deadline. So I'd probably lean closer to where you are, Ken, and would probably say at this point, I'd I'd be less inclined to do it than than I, I'm just less inclined to trade Tanner Scott uh, unless there's just something I don't know which is insane and that there's just one organization that's wildly in love with Tanner Scott and decides to outbid themselves for fun and give up you know something ridiculous but the, the likelihood of that being the case is so slim it's just not worthy of the conversation and the the other thing I was gonna say is the Mancini thing I, I you just can't. I, I get, and I'm talking purely from a fan base standpoint, and, and I, I don't, I don't even care what he, what he brings. He, he brings, well, he means more. You. He means more here than he means anywhere. Right, else. I agree with that part. But if you could get something real, I mean, if there was some organization that that right. wanted to give, give you an insane amount for Trey right. Mancini, uh, I, okay, uh, you, you do it. But I know it, that's we've just got to be realistic about it. That's just that doesn't so, happen for these players. There's so little to be happy about in 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 Oriole. Right. And it's just it would be a a not that anything crushes anybody. It's a, it would be a really hard suck. pill to swallow. It would be yes. It would, it would be really. Very, be I understand tough. that. It would really be. But tough. I'm I, I am willing to, to swallow hard pills if I'm if I'm doing it for you know like horny goat powder. There you yeah, go. If you're going to give me a yeah right some horny goat. If you're going to give me a, a COVID vaccine and you're going to tell me hey it, it might make your arm hurt for a couple of days I'll do that. <laughs> um, it would suck to trade away Trey Mancini, but I would do it if the return was going to be overwhelming. It's just. It's so insane to think that you're getting an overwhelming return for Trey Mancini that I default back to where you are. What are what are we doing? Are you doing it for the sake of doing it? Boy, that is that is painful. I I don't think you do. I think you acknowledge he's just more valuable to your team than he is to anyone else, and you go from there. One name you haven't mentioned, which I find a little weird, is Matt Harvey. I, I, by the way, I got I got to run in a second. We're we're out. We're, I, I'm, I told my kids it'd be 15 minutes. We're already so I, I got to do this quickly. All right, Matt Harvey. Why aren't they trading him? Yeah, yeah. Great, great question. Why aren't they trading? Uh, number two, pecan crusted catfish. How does that work? Yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, I, I was good. I was uh, caught off guard. I thought it was gonna be like that you would see more of the pecans, but like I get it, they just sort of used them in the breading. It was it was quite. I mean, first of all, fried catfish is delightful I mean, yeah. at yeah. any point. Um, now we're in this. It's southern fried catfish, and throw in you could a little bit of the taste of pecans. It was it was it was quite tasty. There's no doubt about that. We stopped at the Lane Orchards yesterday for lunch and got that. So that was a good thing. I I just have one quick question for you. And I want yes, to know sir. who is your greatest male tennis player of your lifetime. I mean, it's, it, it, I wish you can listen to Courts of Thunder and find out more about this. I, you know, I've told you guys the answer has been Novak Djokovic well before he got to twenty. There, there was no debate. Um, that was just some sort of weird number that we we threw out there as if it mattered. It didn't. Novak Djokovic had all of the the facts on his side. He had better head-to-head records against the greatest players of all time. He was the only player that had won all of the Master Series events. Uh, and he had actually done all of that twice, whereas nobody else has done it. 
Um, you know, the fact that he won the second French Open, you know, like became a two-time career Grand Slam winner, another thing that nobody else has done. It's, there is no debate about this. It's, it's difficult because I'm just not a big Novak Djokovic fan. Not that I'm a particularly big Nadal or Federer fan. Um, I respect all of them. They're all incredibly great players. But there's – my buddy Greg Rosenthal wants to try to make it seem like it's a little bit closer. It's not really that close. Novak Djokovic created some separation some time, some time ago. He is, by a fair distance, the greatest player of all time. All right. Well, sorry for keeping you so long. Hope you have a nice time with the kids fishing and all that good stuff. I'm excited to get you back in studio, but uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes. And again, a big thank you to you, Ken. It means a lot to me as I've been able to spend time with my family. And uh, thank you to Stan and Paul will be in next week. And and Kyle, again, you you showed up and, and you did exactly what you were supposed to do. So I would say thank you. But more like I, rec- I recognize that you're doing your job. Well, that's nice of you. All right. Yeah. We'll talk right, to you guys. later. See you. Thank you. What a jerk that guy is, huh? Yeah, I know. Glenn Clark, uh, the namesake of the program, uh, joined us for a brief spell to get all sassy about he doesn't know what he's talking about with the draft and how the Suns are disappointing him and all that good stuff. But it's about what we expect them to happen, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was all brought to you by the fine folks at Sports and Social Maryland. And Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fun experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We are raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. So, not a whole lot of... uh, hot takes from Glenn there. I think it's probably a reasonable perspective of the whole series. And I do think that ultimately the whole home field advantage thing for the finals matters as much as Chris Paul's health. I really don't know if a non, like if Chris Paul is that affected by his hand as he appeared to be in game four and he remains that affected, it's going to require a lot from Devin Booker, and I genuinely don't even know who the backup point guard is for the Suns. Look, obviously, it's not anybody on Chris Paul's level, but there's nobody really there that can run the offense effectively. Otherwise, it seems it would have to be just Devin Booker with the ball in his hands looking to score, which, you know, worked pretty well for the first three quarters in game four. I'm not going to pretend like that can't work for them, but um, for as important as Chris Paul was through the first couple of rounds of the postseason for the Suns, uh, he has turned around and had a pretty paltry last three games. He's turned the ball over five times per game, 15 in the last three, 17 in the first four games of this series, which is completely uncharacteristic of him. Um, so to say, like Glenn said, to act like it's all injury is probably uh, disingenuous. It does seem like perhaps... Fatigue, the moment, could be getting to him a little bit, but uh, it makes for a compelling series, right? It's far more interesting at 2-2 than it would have been if it were over right now or at 3-1. So in that sense, to see that there's a legitimate chance for both sides to win, I think, for a basketball fan, that's something that you have to be happy about. And Giannis has certainly deserves respect for the way he's played coming off of that injury. No, well, I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. 
Um, it's one of those series that whoever won, I was going to be like, okay, congratulations to them. I mean, with no dog in the fight, as, as they like to say. But, uh, you know, probably pulling a little bit more for Phoenix just because it would make Glenn happy. And, you know, everyone, which I'm torn on that. I know you are. Yeah. But, but you know, uh, Glenn deserves a little bit of happiness from time to time. I think that ultimately my favorite player in this series is probably Giannis. I've been a Giannis fan since he was, I mean, fan loosely. It's not like I tune into every Bucks right, game right. and no, watch. I understand. But he's been... Ever since he was like a viral sensation his rookie year where his sort of following was based on these short clips that demonstrated his otherworldly athletic ability and his strides and what he's capable of athletically, he has since developed into a far more well-rounded and obviously stronger player. And he's really tough to dislike. I mean, everything about Giannis seems to suggest he is a genuinely yeah. nice person, uh, like charming, like his his adjustment to the American side of things was extremely fun. He had never tried a milkshake before uh, in his life when he was a rookie and talked about how incredible that was. He one time missed a ride to the stadium, so he literally had to run. He ran to the stadium one time to catch the game. Yeah. Like, He's he's it's very endearing the kind of person that he is and as he's continued to play it's there's nothing that he's done that would indicate anything otherwise so he is probably still my favorite player um, that said the Suns are undeniably more fun they are right like when they're playing their oh, best oh, yeah. they're one of the I most mean... entertaining teams to watch in the NBA so is there value to having a team like that with young stars? like DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker and, of course, the veteran Chris Paul to get and earn their keep early on and have them carrying into next year that sort of, you know, that chip and the, 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 the desire to defend what it is that they want. I see the value in that as well. So, like I've said before, there's no scenario with this NBA Finals where I'll be disappointed. Um, I genuinely don't even know who I'm rooting for. I think I do find myself almost pulling. You know what? I was pulling for the Suns before because I had money on them winning in five. I think that was largely probably where my rooting interest fell. But now that it's 2-2, I, I really don't know who I'm rooting for. So on both sides, right? If the Suns win, neat for Glenn. Don't really care about that that much, but neat for him. Glad he would get to feel that joy and experience that. That's always something that I guess you would want for your friends. So in that sense, I, you know, good. But if the Bucks win, I would be extremely happy for Giannis Tentacumpo. And it would be neat to see a market like Milwaukee get to celebrate something like that after, you know, the odds are so stacked against them in today's NBA where stars align and join up and make these super teams. So whether they got there by way of injury and not facing teams at full strength, right. that's beside the point. I, they're here now, and it's been fun. It's been exciting, if not wonky like Glenn said. Yeah, I I just like watching it. I've been entertained by the series. I said this the other day. And that's all I really want. I mean, whichever way, it's tough. I, I agree with you on, on Giannis. You know, genuine guy got a chuckle out of the the uh, reporter asking him where he disappears to in games two and three, and he like kind of you know gave a really honest answer. I had to go to the bathroom. I mean, yeah, you know, he's like it seems rude to do that on the court. It's just just a little bit of 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 you know honesty and and I think uh, that of from an athletic perspective. There's a lot to be learned from his mentality. He is unafraid, 
unafraid of being humiliated. Um, often is humiliated at the free throw line. He's airballed probably more free throws this season than I've seen an NBA player airball probably in my lifetime. But that doesn't stop him from going to the rim physically and generating contact and getting back to the line. Or he's unafraid of getting dunked on. He mentioned when he went up for that block on the eight and alley-oop that he thought he was going to get dunked on. <laughs> but that didn't matter to him, right? Like right. he's... That's something that deserves more respect and that you wish was more present at the professional level at a time where, you know, viral videos and getting posterized has such a stigma against it. But he really is both a team player. He doesn't care that he's not going to be the one taking the final shot and that Chris Middleton is the one that they're going to go to in the final moments. He really only does care about winning. Yeah. And he does so much on the court to get there. And so I really do hope that his game continues to progress and that he can get with the shooting coach to figure out exactly like what went wrong. You see some video of him shooting when he was younger. He had better form in his first couple of seasons in the NBA than he does now. So somewhere along the line, somebody screwed up his jump shot a little bit. But I mean, look, if he's able to develop that, then as we've said prior, he is oh. going to be truly unstoppable. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and look, you, you, with all the quote-unquote problems in his game, you, you just deal with them because he's such a unicorn type of player mm-hmm. um, and, and just get over it. But, I, I, look, I, I like watching him play. I think he's my son's favorite uh, player uh, in the NBA right now. I do love uh, Booker. Um, you can't not as well. Lo- right? lo- love his game. Love how you know how tough he is. I love that he. I love the mid range game. Mid range game, mm-hmm. and he's perfected it. Look, I was not a Kobe Bryant fan. I really wasn't, but um, I recognize how great he was as a scorer. Yeah. And you know, both I'd say Devin Booker and Jason Tatum are the two young scorers in the NBA whose game really does, and you can't help but think about Kobe Bryant. Um, they've got varied, they can kill you from deep, they can yep. post you up with an array of moves to find space, get open, and get their shot off, and chances are they're going to make it. Um, hard not to respect that. I mean, he clearly is an incredible scorer. You knew that since he scored 72 in his like second season at age 19 or 20, right? Like, But it is nice to see him do that when it matters, right? They were meddling in, in, in obscurity in the early portions of his career, and people would lament how, oh, this good of a scorer is playing on such an irrelevant team, and too bad, it sucks to see that, but it is nice to see that he's doing the same things he was doing then now when the games matter. So there's no doubt about it. There's a lot to respect and enjoy about both sides, and I hope people are able to appreciate the stars that are playing in this series rather than getting hung up on maybe who isn't playing in this series, who you're used to seeing. Uh, but good stuff. Excited to see what happens in that series on tomorrow night's game. But, you know, we're going to take our first break. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Press Box. We will be right back. 
Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their Very Berry Salad and Smoky Thigh Wings. It also features the all-new shrimp po' boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York Strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and Smoky Thigh Wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. The Olympics start soon. Stop in and watch the games at Glory Days Grill. Every child who dines at one of their restaurants during the Olympic Games will receive a gold medal. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host, Zach Goodman, every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash the bat around or at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. That's the bat around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box sports it takes time to get rich flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of colombia and brazil to royal farms but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world because royal farms new swiss made coffee machines grind those rich flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time it's why royal farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is GlennClarkRadio.com. Nothing but net. And we are back. Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, and Ken Zalis here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Today's show is also brought to you by Window Nation. And right now, get 50% off all styles of windows, plus no money down. Make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months. Call 866 866- 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. 
Uh, we're going to make our connection with Aberdeen Ironbirds first baseman, J.D. Mundy, in about 15 minutes here. But, KZ, before we do that, I'd like to get your thoughts on a little bit of the NFL happenings around football. I mean, it seems like the only thing really driving discussion currently is the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, what is or isn't going to happen. I mean, look, I think I'm sort of operating under the assumption that at this point he's just going to play, right? Like he's just going to end up playing for the Packers and it just sort of is going to be what it is. Uh, are you still under the belief that there could be a trade? Do you think anything is going to happen other than Aaron Rodgers reporting to training camp when it all comes together? Uh, no, I think he comes to, comes to training camp. I hope he does. I just took uh, Devontae Adams in the second round of a, a best ball draft, and, and that's only valuable to me if, if, Aaron, if I believe Aaron Rodgers plays. I, I just don't think, you know, look, I, I know he wants out um, if you believe all the reports and, and things you read, but at the end of the day, um, he can make his most money there. He, he's comfortable in that system. You don't have to learn a new system. You don't have to learn new teammates in a, in a you know, and, and their tendencies in a rush. And if you, if you kind of look at the landscape of where uh, trade destinations have gone, there's all of a sudden been this shift away from, you know, Aaron Rodgers going to Denver to now a shift to uh, Deshaun Watson and where he could be traded to. I mean, that's uh, all such a weird. It's such a weird thing, but there's been, you know, just, it, like, it's they've, really, they've just been settling behind the scenes these different cases, essentially. I I, I assume so because it's been for such a quote unquote high profile, not only a person but situation where the news media for a good two weeks. That's all anybody was talking I mean, about for good reason. It, but it fell off the cliff, a cliff, really quick. Like there was, there was nothing. Like there's, there's zero word from either side, and and that happens when you get lawyers involved and things like that, and and judges say, look, I don't want to hear a thing. I don't want to hear anything about the media in the media from either side. Um, you know, things like that. But now they're starting to be. It seems like some momentum is picking up that he will actually play football this year but not in Houston. And well, they did draft uh, David's, what was it, Sills? Or his Mills. Name? Mills. Yeah. Yeah, in the third they, round. They do, and, and they have Tyrod um, give it, as, as a placeholder. But it's also know. pretty evident that the Houston Texans aren't intending to compete this year. They are not. They, like, it they does, have a pretty right. barren roster yes. across the board. So there's, I would even if seven, Deshaun Watson is involved, year old running backs. they probably would not be more at most, at absolute most, a seven-win team this year, right? I, I, I would agree with that. Maybe eight with the new 17-week season, but... Uh, <laughs> I hear you. I still don't even know. Like, it's... I, I, I don't know, but no, but there you, you start to read Who's around... Who's top receiver? Like, genuinely, I do not know. Uh, uh, Cooks. Yeah, well... Uh, who's a good receiver? Is, I mean, I mean, he's an underrated receiver. One concussion away from he, maybe his he, career. A one hundred percent true. Uh, but you know, you start to look. There's been some more talk about you know a trade maybe to Denver. There's been some uh, Philadelphia has started to uh, talk about maybe a, a Watson for Hertz type deal um that would be so texans that would just be uh I, i'm just it, it's what is going around right now um, i refuse to believe that the texans are going to make that mistake 
again, where they are trading a premier talent and not getting first-round picks. In well, return. I mean, uh, what I say hurts. I mean, there may be more in, involved in it's just that. I still but, don't think but, it would be smart. Like, it would, I, I, look, if you're going to be trading Deshaun Watson, you should get draft capital in return. I, like only I, draft capital, except in the exception of a really good young player. Where Jalen Hurts, look, maybe he, he could, be could that become player. that. Yeah. But I just, I'm sorry. I just don't necessarily – I'm not willing to bet on that and forego maybe real value in the draft – as a result, maybe maybe so, maybe so, but it seems like that has picked up some steam over the last, I'm going to say, 24, 48 hours, and and there's really been, you know, there's been very little movement with Aaron Rodgers, um, so we'll see. I I think he comes back. Uh, I think it's the best place for him to come back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, sure. I mean, bar. I mean, if you were to get to Denver, I think that would be pretty good as I well. I mean, Denver would be. I mean, look, they have lots of weapons. Denver um, is a talented offense. You their know, problem is a quarterback. They're picking between Drew uh, Drew Locke and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Neither will excite anybody in any way. Sort of um, like the decision between like a 2005 Mercedes with a V8 that has some real issues mechanically. Or a 2012 Corolla. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Bridgewater is probably the more, you know, he won't hurt you. But no. you're limited, right? But you're, you're limited. He's, he's a, he's a check-down quarterback. And, and Drew Locke, you just really don't know what you're going to get. Well, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy. you don't. You're going you're gonna to get a gun-slinging quarterback likes to throw the ball downfield that's going to make mistakes and and that's what he's that's what he is that's what he's been and when he doesn't make those mistakes in games he looks great look kick can throw a football I mean there's no doubt about that he's got plenty of arm strength and things like that I mean in the fantasy world it's like you're you're looking at those two quarterbacks and say that those are the two quarterbacks coming in you know if you're a Cortland Sutton guy and you're saying, okay, I want Drew Drew Locke to start. And if you're a Jerry Judy guy, you're like, well, maybe Bridgewater's better mm-hmm. for for what I need. And it's like, you know, it it has it has these effects, um, you know, a, a, as we're going into these drafts and and, and things like that, because they're, you know, we're what are we a month away from probably a two week window where the majority of fantasy football drafts yep. are are going to happen and. Uh, you know, a uh, lot to work out. It's it's kind of late in the in the you know NFL calendar for these things really not to have a conclusion, and it makes things a little bit scary. You know, uh, those people that that took a, a, a you know Aaron Jones, let's say, or mm-hmm. or although you or, would think or, that or if Jordan Adams, Love were playing, he'd certainly well, get but, his fair but, share of touches. Well, but it's also you know you're going to see more people in the box if 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 sure. Jordan Love plays. It's it it changes dynamic. You're not as high on. Devontae Adams, which is why he's not being selected anymore in the top three, maybe top four of wide receivers that are going off the board. And he's a real look, I just got him in the second round of a best ball draft. That's insane for someone who has the numbers that Devontae Adams has. Uh, he's going in some places behind Calvin Ridley. I really like Calvin Ridley. I think he, he has the opportunity, but I always like Calvin Ridley more when he had Julio Jones opposite him, and he doesn't have that anymore. We'll see what Kyle Pitts is and what that offense looks like now. So it's just uh, you you look at those things and you're like, oh, well, you know, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, you know, might as well take a match to that Devontae Adams, you know, 150 target no doubt. Uh, uh, type thing. So it, it'll change a whole lot. But, yeah, talent-wise, Denver's a great landing place. I mean, they got – 
they got the tight end, they got the wide receivers, you know, you got, you know, some some running backs that uh, you know, you, well, if you, you have can, Aaron Rodgers, the running back will be all right. Yeah, they, okay. no matter what. And right. and and their line is decent enough and and the defense is there. So I hear you. You know, I, I just I think he goes back to Green Bay. I, I, I don't disagree. I, mean, I think seems, at the end, this is a, I don't think there's any chance. This is a this is a disagreement either. with one person in Green Bay, and um, you know they'll work that out. They'll throw a couple of dollars at him. All right. Well, talking baseball here now. Um, look, there's obviously for Orioles fans, I would say a lot of impatience as it comes to the rebuild, um, which. You can have a separate conversation about what the expectations should have been for the timeline when this all started and how much they should have been adjusted due to the lost season and all of that. But, you know, I've seen people talk about, you know, let's, for example, say Kyle Stowers, who was drafted in 2019, did not play last year, obviously, but has played incredibly well in the early portions of his career at Aberdeen and now Bowie. And with that success, I saw comments in Twitter saying, oh, keep moving them up. Let's move them quickly. Where do you fall on not necessarily the overall timeline, but how aggressive Elias and company should be with promotions during this rebuild? Uh, So the timeline for me is not next season, but the season after. I think I think you now that pertains to the others other than Rutschman or you mean for Rutschman as well? Well, I, I, I no next year. I think the the Rutschmans and the Rodriguez and the Halls, I, I think. But I when I look at the rebuilds like, you know, next year, I, I think a 70 win season. Mm-hmm. Is is where like like I want to see improvement. Yeah. Want to see the 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 guys that are ready come up. But I don't. I'm not pretending that these guys are going to come up and all of a sudden they're challenging for wild cards. I, I think it's a it's a progression. I think the year after uh, is 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 fair that you're saying okay, we're playing 500 baseball and we're in the wild card race. I, I think that that's. What would that be? A five year since Elias has been here? Six years? 2018, 19, I guess 18 so is five years. half. He would have so, came in late. So let's call it five years, okay? It's four or five, yeah. Four or five, okay? You know, you, you kind of throw out a year because of the pandemic. So, mm-hmm. you know, three to five year rebuild to start to see some progress is fine. I don't. The way Major League Baseball has kind of gone, I, I don't know that these guys need. It seems like Double A is where they all kind of get together and start playing together, and like this is the next group to come. I don't know that you need to to necessarily move them to Triple A. I, I I'm I'm a big believer in chemistry, and I think keeping the guys that you know are the next set of guys like they are right now. I think you could easily say, oh well, we can move Rushman and and Rodriguez and Hall. We can move them all to Triple A. Uh, kind of like them in Bowie, creating you know, creating that winning atmosphere, keeping them together, and I think they come up together. I don't, I don't necessarily need the progression to AAA necessarily. So uh, I don't. I think once they get to Bowie, keep on moving them to Bowie, and you know that can be the the launching point to the to the big club. Do you have you been? Is there anything about Adley Rutschman's performance at Bowie that? gives you pause about what you expect as far as the baseball savior in Baltimore? 
not really. I mean, I can't really I, – I, I'm not going to pretend I know every one of his statistics and can break down his strikeout to I do know that early walk. in the season there were some somewhat drastic splits between the times that he was catching and when he was playing the field or DHing. Um, From everything I've seen, though, he's a really good receiver behind the play. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So we're not moving him. Um, you know, uh, I, I, again – his the average pack. currently sits at 274 with a 404 uh, on 405 on base percentage, 491 slugging percentage. Okay, so maybe you'd like to see a little bit higher slugging. 44 walks, 39 strikeouts. That is tremendous mm-hmm. for a guy that has power and you're going to expect to. 12 home uh, runs. How many doubles? Uh, 10 doubles. Okay, so, you know, I, I no, I, I'm not I'm not paused at all uh, with anything. Um uh, you know, you talk to his teammates as we did this week. Great teammate, hard worker. Um, looks good behind the plate. Guys like pitching to him. Um, you know, I there's no pause for me. Well, I'm in the same I, boat. I, I don't. I don't. If they would bring him up tomorrow, and they shouldn't. I hear you. Um, I got no problem. I mean, like he's the starting catcher, and he's gonna. Yeah, like every person, you know, may struggle from time to time, but I think he could handle it now. But I still think that, you know, they want him working with these guys and they want him progressing and get your get X amount of at bats in the minor leagues. There's no point in bringing the no, no next group up here. Horse, right. right. Yeah. Well, there's no, there's no point bringing up any of these guys that you think are part of your future on a team that is not that you don't have major league talent. We'll talk on. about the timeline, right? Yeah. Starting the timeline prematurely is, seems to benefit. Nobody other Nobody. than arguably the player who might right. get the free agency quicker, Correct. right? Correct. And and I'm hoping that I'm hoping the you know, you saw this in Houston. Um, you know, you, you've seen it in Tampa. I hope they take those types of contracts and start totally you know, start start being proactive and not I having agree more. not They're having situations right. Years, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, do that. Stop stop waiting and 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 penny pinching or whatever you want to call it for whatever reason and and it doesn't seem to work out. So, no, I don't have I don't have pause. I mean, I, I like I said, I mean, they could bring any of the next group up tomorrow and I wouldn't question it from a baseball standpoint i would question from a timeline and a monetary standpoint but other than you know are these guys ready yeah sure yeah i hear you i tend to agree as well uh today's show is also brought to you in the first hour nearly in the books is brought to you by the stand the fan show and stand the fan charles has two great shows for you every week and like everything else in the world they are happening over zoom every monday night stan and former orioles pitcher ross grimsley Visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. This past Monday, they chatted with uh, Larry Sheets, father of White Sox slugger Gavin Sheets. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat a different, excuse me, with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. On this past Wednesday, they had Bill Ordeen, and I'm to understand that on next Wednesday, they will chat with the executive director of Maryland Sports, Terry Hasseltine, about the aforementioned uh, announcement uh, regarding the support from Lieutenant uh, State Lieutenant Governor. Rutherford and from Mayor Scott toward the 2026 World Cup bid for Baltimore. So that's next Wednesday. Both shows are live at facebook.com slash sports and are available the next day at pressboxonline.com. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them 
at C3America.com. And you can call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. So, as we wait for the call from Aberdeen Ironbergs slugger J.D. Mundy, uh, interesting story, J.D. Mundy, a uh, player that due to the nature of the 2020 baseball season and the truncated MLB draft, of course, they only had five rounds, whereas prior to this year, they had about 40 rounds. Uh, there were fewer draft picks, believe it or not. That's just a numbers game. Uh, Mundy was, I believe, one of eight undrafted free agents that were signed by Mike Elias and company. Um, and as far as I understand, I think he's probably been the most productive of that bunch. Uh, he has hit the ball out of the ballpark a good bit. I think he has 12 home runs between two levels so far. This year, um, somebody who is likely a first base only type prospect, first base DH, but that doesn't mean that there's not a chance he reaches the majors and could be a contributor to this thing when it's all said and done. Um, his numbers so far at Aberdeen, since he was called up, he's actually hitting, OPSing 877, eight homers in 31 games, 22 RBIs, more than he had at Delmarva. Um, a lot to like. Interesting. And I, you know, he was a started at Virginia Tech. I'm to understand that he transferred to Rad or to Radford. Radford after with the coaching change of Virginia Correct. Tech, he was gonna be sort of on the outside looking in fielding and he understandably wanted to be playing the field to give yep. himself the best chance to display his talents. And I believe he played a little bit of third base at Radford as well. But uh, as far as his fielding is concerned in Baltimore, he has only been a first baseman and DH here. But the bat is playing, and if it continues to play as such, he will continue to move up. Yeah, so. I mean, he's, you know, you talk about a undrafted free agent, probably would have been drafted, as you said. Yeah. But, you know, you look at, you know, spent, you know, goes from low A to high A within the same season. Um, his bat has continued to stay hot, uh, eight home runs. Um, he's hitting a home run and one every 15 at bats. Uh, so far through through his minor league season. And you look at, you know, won every big award at Radford as far as player of the year, offensive player of the year, things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you look at his, like you said, his o OPS, um, 877. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey. <laughs> Batting average drops slightly from the levels, but that's slightly, kind slightly. of to be expected. Yeah, I mean, you are. competition. Yeah, I mean, you, you move up competition. The thing that hasn't left him at all is the power mm -hmm. i mean he, that's gonna he, drive his yeah i mean he yeah. he has power and uh you know um stocky kid um you know but big powerful you know you, you say stocky you don't, yeah sure a big powerful kid six feet tall um and you know by all accounts um it's a great sign of a movement within the first year of minor league ball um, no doubt. you would expect if he if the bat still holds you would expect to see him in buoy um next year and and then yep you know from see, there we'll see from what there happens, you'll see right? what happens i mean once you get to buoy you know you're on a you're on a track and if the power remains and you know if you can yeah uh, the average can drop a little bit it'll come back up but if the for a power hitter if the strikeout to walk ratio remains 
in, no in, in the in a good place. Um, you'll see him soon. Well, we'll take our second break while we wait to make our connection with Monday. Hopefully on the other side we'll, we'll chat with him. But at 1120, we are also are scheduled to chat with Anthony Servino, fantasy football analyst. This is uh, Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox. Today's show is also brought to you by Toyota. And whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer. This is Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. We'll be right back. Here it Watch out! For the first time, the PGA Tours FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kings Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. 
Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le champion. Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. GlennClarkRadio.com. And we are back. It is Glenn Clark Radio here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Today's show is also brought to you by the PressBox Print edition and on the cover, Maryland quarterback Talia Tongavailoa. The cover story penned by Thomas Kenzora about the big man on campus as they get ready for the 2021 season in College Park under Mike Loxley and company. Uh, just one second here. Exciting things at the at College Park. Uh, big expectations uh, as they. Uh, you know, see if they can make some headway this season uh, under the Mike Loxley and of course, company. Press box can be found for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, joining us now is a perhaps less heralded prospect than many people are familiar with, but he is certainly earning that recognition this season. He is former Delmarva Shorebirds, but now Aberdeen Ironbirds first baseman, hitting the cover off the ball over there in Aberdeen. He is J.D. Mundy, and he joins us here on Glenn Clark Radio. J.D., it's Kyle Otten and Kyle and KZ here in Baltimore. Appreciate you taking some time for us this morning, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. No doubt, man. So uh, tell me a little bit about what's been going on in your life this year. Obviously, the power is uh, showing up in spades. 12 home runs already, 8 at Aberdeen. Uh, you were always a pretty powerful hitter. I know that even at your times at Virginia Tech, going to Radford, that was that was a big part of your game. But it seems like it's kind of stepped up another notch uh, have you made any changes to your approach to get more power, or is this just sort of the nature of growth as a hitter and as you fill out more and physically? Uh, I think it's just the nature of growth. I think, uh, you know, obviously the pitchers just throw harder, and I I think my swing is just set up to, you know, you try to use the speed against them. So, you know, when I hit the ball out front, the ball just carries up. So you you started uh... – your college career at uh, at Virginia Tech, you've had success, mm-hmm. you know, all all the way through from high school to college. Uh, you know, you, you you made the decision to transfer uh, after your sophomore year to Radford. What went into that decision, and uh, and take us through how how you uh, went through that process? Um, we ended up getting a new coach uh, that year, and uh, he just pretty much told me like at the end of the season that uh, I wasn't going to get much playing time on the field. So that kind of uh, changed my mind and I uh, decided to transfer to go to Radford so I could play more. So good. Just being in the, being in the field where, you know, because right. you were really, you were really productive even at, even at Virginia tech. It just, uh, it was surprising to me, but you, you, you know, just, continued your power surge at Radford uh, all you know big south player of the year 
Um, I believe in June, you know, in the, in the minor leagues, you were the hitter of the of the month for the organization um, with, with with tremendous power. How do you how do you define your defense? Was that something, you know, he decided because he was just there was other players coming in, or or is that something that uh, you pride yourself on? Yeah, he just told me that uh, he was going to get a bunch of uh, junior college kids, and uh, he just said he didn't see me playing much at first next year. So that kind of just made my decision to transfer. Okay. So um, last year, you obviously were entering the MLB draft at a time when it was as unique, if not the most unique, MLB draft landscape ever due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, with the draft only being five rounds, uh, was there any apprehension on your part about you know getting your name in that area at that time, or were you somewhat you know excited to have the option of picking your destination i have to imagine the orioles were not the only ones who called and recruited you for your service what in what went into that whole process for you and ultimately what was it that made you choose baltimore oh uh, yeah it was definitely a process i had a couple teams you know called me to try to sign as a free agent and uh just talking with the Orioles, talking to all the Higgin coaches and the infield coaches and just the organization in general, I felt like it was the best fit for me moving throughout my career. So I, I just ended up choosing them. It makes it easy that, uh, you know, it's not not a not a hour down the road, but it makes it a little bit easier that the, the family can come and see you play. Um, Radford's not too far uh, and from from us, so so that that's got to be a plus. So where where are you now in your development? I mean, you 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 have have you had discussions within the Orioles organization? You moved up pretty quick from low A uh, to high A. What was the transition like between those two levels and the differences? Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely think that uh, the pitchers have definitely got a lot better. I think. Uh, they do. They obviously they have better stuff, and you know they pitch to the corners more than just down the ball, hard and down the middle. So I've kind of made an adjustment to that. You're a guy and, who. Uh, sorry, you gonna go on? No, you're good. Go ahead. You're a guy who's not afraid to take a walk. Obviously, I mean, throughout your career, your on base percentage has been you know pretty impressive at 400 in college, and since you've gotten to the minors, I mean, at Delmarva, you were over 400 as well. Um, mm-hmm. how does that factor in with an aggressive approach? Is it hard sometimes to balance, you know, looking for your pitch and trying to get it versus, you know, being willing to take pitches when they're not there? Yeah, right. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, take that borderline pitch. Uh, I usually am an aggressive hitter, so, you know, um, I kind of just try to figure out the pitcher's tendencies and try to figure out how they're trying to get me out and uh, try to take those pitches that are tough to hit. Do you feel like maybe, like as far as defense is concerned, I think that obviously at Virginia Tech it was a big factor in your decision, if not the driving factor in your decision to look for more playing time at Radford. Uh, mm-hmm. How much do you pride yourself on the defensive side of the ball and, and, and how, how hard are you trying to prove that it isn't only your bat that drives your mm-hmm. value as a prospect? Oh, I work two times as hard on my defense than hitting. Uh, I definitely think, uh, you know, the infield coach here at Aberdeen has helped me out a lot. 
just helping me with the footwork around first base and the foot, footwork, fielding the ground balls, and just my hand work and stuff like that. And I definitely felt like I've gotten a lot better. So take us a little bit off the field. I mean, we, we see how great everything's gone so far on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pandemic gave gave you a lot of lot of off time. Uh, what is uh, what does JD Mundy like to do when he's not playing baseball? Uh, I like to hang out with friends, uh, hang out with my girlfriend. I like to be outside. I like to swim in the pool. I like to go fishing, stuff like that. Did you do anything fun on the fourth? I mean, obviously you guys probably had some baseball games to play, but were you? Did you manage to get any like cookout in, hanging out time in there? No, we had a game that day. <laughs> the only, we did watch the fireworks after the game. That was pretty cool. That's always fun. All right. Well, I need to yeah. know this. If you if you had been able to have a cookout on the fourth, what would be the the staples on the menu at JD Mundy's Fourth of July cookout? Let's see. I definitely have. Some cheeseburgers, some hot dogs. Uh, let's see, probably some watermelons, okay. some fruit, stuff like that. Those are the sounds like the staples, right? Yeah. Are you a chef yep. yourself? No, I'm not a chef. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't think you have too much. Not yet. All right, you have aspirations one day of maybe being one. Right. You don't have any specialty that you go to or anything like that. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, you'll have time, hopefully, one day to be able to master all that as well as baseball. That's man. right. So then uh, you're, you're, you're in general, I mean, you guys have a lot of talent in the organization right now in the minor league level. Mm-hmm. Is it exciting to be playing with so many talented players? Does it drive you to be as best as you can? And, and what's the environment like down there at Aberdeen? Yeah, I definitely think it does drive me. We got a bunch of you know, young talent on the team. Uh, everybody can really play the game at a high level, and I think it definitely makes me, you know, step my game up because I want to compete with these guys and, you know, um, play as long as I can with them. And I'm sure it's no secret what's going on in the organization, right? I have to think it was probably a factor in why you chose the Orioles in the first place. But does the fact mm-hmm. that the team – is rebuilding and that there figures to be so much opportunity at the major league level in the coming years. Like how much of added motivation does that provide to you and the guys? Uh, I definitely think it does add, you know, motivation. I think, uh, you know, just, uh, I'm not trying to worry about, you know, move up those levels as quick as I can. I'm just trying to, you know, just become the best player I can be. And, uh, just keep working on my game, and, you know, the success will come with that. Is the uh, Aberdeen baseball field one of the best ones you've ever played on? I have to think it's probably pretty good as far as minor league fields are concerned. Yeah, it's a good field. It's a turf field, so that's pretty cool. A little well, bit easier on your uh, feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the next homestand for the Ironbirds begins July 20th against the uh, Hudson Valley Renegades, of course, the Yankees affiliate now. And tickets are available at ironbirdsbaseball.com. And as J.D. mentioned, they do have firework nights relatively often. The next one of those is uh, a week from now, July 23rd. So be sure to get your tickets at ironbirdsbaseball.com. And, uh, J.D., really appreciate you taking some time for us this morning, man. Continued health and success to you and yours. Look forward to seeing you in Baltimore sometime soon, all right? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. 
There he goes, J.D. Mundy, uh, slugger for the Aberdeen Ironbirds. A uh, lot to root for in that kid, and hope he has uh, continued success as he continues to move up through the minor league organization. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta love his approach. He wants to get better at the, on the defense, and uh, you know, as we as we've seen, we, um, you know, he is hit for power at every level. You go high school, college, both two college stops, two levels of. Uh, of minor league ball, so that's that's the part that will continue to have him uh, excited uh, within the organization. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, not the most talkative kid in the world. But no, no. Try to we tried talking. to get him to we tried to drag him out a little bit, get him to talk about himself. But uh, we'll do his talking you know, on the baseball. That's field. right. Uh, KZ, do me a favor. I'd love. Could to. you please read this Glory Days Grill one? I would think it would be the second one, if you don't mind, while I connect with Anthony Servino. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family, a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of the restaurants and speak to a manager. Management opportunities are available. We're. Uh, we're waiting. We're going to talk with uh, Anthony Servino. He is. Uh, you can find him at Twitter at the Real NFL Guru. He is the creator of Fantasy Football Faceoff, and he is also part of uh, the Gridiron Experts. Um, very successful. You can find his rankings um, on Fantasy Pros, and if you're into fun stuff like the Scott Fishbowl, if you know what that is, um, he is participating in that. That is a uh, a charity based. Uh, uh, best ball uh, contest uh, by uh, creator Scott Fish, which is a lot of fun within the industry, and it's been uh, it's been a couple of years since Anthony and I have spoken. We spoke to him on the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show many moons ago, and we welcome Anthony Servino to to the show. Anthony, good to talk to you again, my friend. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So we're in. I guess we're in best ball season more than anything in fantasy football. It seems like there's a a lot of best balls going on. But we're also doing our rankings and trying to find our sleepers and things like that. And what I like to ask everybody that comes on uh, to talk fantasy football is, who are your guys this year? We all have guys. Uh, we all have. You know, for me, and it's it's a cop out, but. My guy this year is J.K. Dobbins. I think you look at the at the Ravens and they run the ball a lot. And I know there's there's lots of mouths to feed, but you look at his almost six yards of carry and things like that. He's a guy that I want on my fantasy football teams this year. Who are a couple of your guys that you want this year? Um, you know, obviously the obvious one is, is Ezekiel Elliott. I, I think the industry, or at least the consensus. Uh, seemed to be pretty down on him most of the offseason. Uh, and because on, on film last year, he didn't look like his old self. And we saw Tony Pollard see a career high in touches. Uh, but with the situation with Dallas's offensive line, uh, they were down three starters, two of which, you know, before, you know, are by week two. And the reserves that were playing, like a Terrence Steele, he never started an NFL game. Uh, so they're going to get their offensive line back. And in the games with Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, I believe, was a top five running back uh, before Dak got hurt. So Ezekiel is poised for a bounce back. Uh, I'm not too much worried about Tony Pollard. I, you know, he's going to be spelled in here and there. Uh, he's going to get touches. But Ezekiel Elliott, I, I think he could potentially have a career year if you see the way he's been working out. Uh, he looks a lot quicker and lighter this season. 
No, no, he does. And you look at that entire offense and, you know, you, you mentioned the offensive line, which for years was the best offensive line in football. But you also look at Dak coming back. They, they add C.D. Lamb uh, two years ago, who looks like a legitimate number one wide receiver. I, I'm, I, I like getting uh, uh, Gallup at a discount in that offense if I can't get a piece of it early. Um, it, it, it seems like I always, always wind up with Gallup as a, as a wide receiver four or five on some of my teams. So agree with you with, with, with Zach. Um, let's go to tight end for a quick second. Um, whether you want to call him Kels or Kelsey, we, 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 whichever one works for everybody these days, but he's clearly the number one tight end. And we know about Kittle and, 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 and Waller, but after the top three, uh, who are some of your targets at the tight end position? It seems like it's one of those positions every year that that is kind of tricky for fantasy owners. You know, outside of those top three guys, if you want to pay up uh, for a tight end, I, I've been looking at TJ Hawkinson and obviously Mark Andrews. I like him a lot. But normally I am waiting at the position, um, and I'll wait for guys like a Dallas Goddard. I'll wait for a Noah fan, and if I'm going to wait even longer, I like to double-tap the tight end position and look at guys like Jared Cook, Blake Jarwin, and even a Gerald Everett really late. Yeah, I just uh, grabbed uh, Everett. I, I kind of punted in one of my leagues at tight end, and, and Everett's the guy. You know, you, you look at the history with Seattle, and they like to throw to the tight end, even though they have those great wide receivers on the outside and, and – and, 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 but Russell Wilson is always used if you go back to the, the Greg Olsons and, you know, when Olsen was hurt, uh, you know, he, he always Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham and, 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 uh, and, and those guys, there was always a tight end that was involved in there. So, so I agree with you there. Uh, you look at quarterback, uh, most of us in the industry, we love to wait on quarterback. I love to be the last person, especially in a 10 or 12 team league, to take a quarterback. Um, my guy's Matthew Stafford. I think he's going to have a great season in, in, in L.A. as long as uh, he can stay healthy. If you wait on, on quarterback, who are some of your targets? Uh, let's see, waiting on quarterback, I really am starting to buy into uh, Jalen Hurts, but his ADP uh, is starting to creep up a little bit, and I like Jalen Hurts a lot. Uh, because of his rushing upside. But if I'm really, really going to wait on the position, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, I'm seeing him go as a quarterback 24-26 off the board. He's that YOLO quarterback. He, he, you know, he doesn't really care about losing his job because he probably shouldn't be starting anyway. He's going <laughs> to fit the ball into tight windows or at least try to and really doesn't care about the interception, right? He's going to throw it deep. And if you look at the weapons that they have in Washington, when you look at – uh, McLaren, who Fitzpatrick's probably going to be the best quarterback he has ever played with so far in his career. They bring in Curtis Samuel, um, you know, somebody nobody's talking about. I don't know how much of a fantasy impact he's going to have in your normal 12-team leagues, but in like 16-team leagues, uh, Adam Humphreys played with Fitzpatrick for two years in Tampa and had a pretty uh, productive run with him in games that Fitzpatrick started. So I'm really pushing the chips on in Fitzpatrick, especially in a two-quarterback league and in baseball. Seems like there's always a few rookies every season who, you know, stake claim to being legitimate fantasy football contributors and week-in, week-out starters. Um, I mean, Kyle Pitts is kind of the obvious name when you talk about the rookies this season, but who are the guys that you've marked as not only high upside guys that 
that also could have a pretty high floor this year. I'm really beginning to buy into uh, Trey Sermon uh, for the 49ers. You know, he's the first running back Kyle Shanahan has taken since Shanahan's rookie year as a head coach when they drafted Joe Williams in the fourth round. Uh, So there's something about Trey Sermon that Shanahan likes, and already we know that 49ers backfield, they don't really stay healthy. Uh, Jeff Wilson is going to open the year on the PUP list, and he had a surgery, I believe. Who knows when Jeff Wilson comes back? Raheem Mostert only played in eight games uh, last year. I know he had a limited season the year before that. So it looks like there is a path for Trey Sermon to really pop in his rookie year. Another one is Michael Carter from the Jets. Uh, Michael Carter is another one you can get, uh, you know, closer to the double-digit rounds. Uh, I'm not really worried about Tevin Coleman or any other back on that depth chart. And if you look at what the Jets did on offensive line, back-to-back years taking an offensive lineman, uh, in the first round, the left side is really intact, and I was worried about the right side. But you know, Joe Douglas goes and, and scoops up Morgan Moses, a surprise cut from the Redskins, to really tighten up that right side. So that Jets offensive line, when you talk about underrated units, uh, I really like them a lot, and that bodes well for Michael Carter. We're talking with Anthony Servino, uh, the creator of Fantasy Football Face Off. Uh, you can follow him at the Real NFL Guru on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to throw out some polarizing names to you and just give me your synopsis of, of whether you're you're in or out at their current ADP um, right now. The first one may be the most polarizing guy. I've seen him go as high as third overall for tight ends, and that's Kyle Pitts. Ooh, Kyle Pitts. Um, <laughs> At the current ADP, I'm out, but if he falls at a value, I I think I'll scoop him up uh, because they still have Hayden Hurst, and I think Hayden Hurst is still going to have a role. I'm anxious to see how the Falcons actually utilize Pitts in this offense. Another one that that I'm out on, and I know, and the reason I'm out is because I've been burnt by him in two of the last three years, but Joe Mixon. Ooh, see, I've been a Mixon guy, um, and because his ADP is, is, is I think the, the risk is now built into his ADP, so I'm going to buy back in. They moved off of Gio Bernard. I know, I know they retained uh, Samaje P. Ryan and, and drafted a guy, but it really looks like if Joe Mixon can stay healthy, and when you look at Joe Burrow and the passing attack, uh, Joe Mixon should have some open running lanes, and he's used to running behind a bad offensive line in a stacked box. So if this passing game really gets going, I think Joe Mixon can finally have that season as fantasy managers have been hoping for. And everybody's fantasy darling from last year, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Out. <laughs> um, you know, he didn't pass the eye test for me. If you remember week one, he had like eight goal line carries against Houston. And Houston's run defense, they were like bottom two. And the fact that he couldn't punch it in against them in week one, and I know the Chiefs, re- you know, revamped and bolstered their offensive line, but I, I don't trust Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even at his current ADP. The players going around him, I, I can almost say I'd rather have Swift, Dobbins, Akers, Gibson all over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now, and they also brought in Jarek McKinnon. And, you know, McKinnon's going to take away those some of those pass-catching opportunities from Hilaire. And they like Darrell Williams a lot, who could be involved in between the tackles. So I'm really questioning 
what Clyde Edwards Hilaire role is going to be on this team. I mean, speaking of running backs, it seems like, look, there's always, you know, seven to ten taken in the first round, but inevitably there are guys taken in rounds three through five or six that end up being top 12 running backs. Who are the ones that you are targeting in those rounds who you think might be first-round picks next season? Um, my top one is Antonio Gibson. Uh, I, I love what Gibson did last year in Washington, and I know pro football focus, at the end of the year, they ranked Washington's offensive line the sixth best in the league. I do have some questions at the tackle spots, but their interior line is going to be terrific, and, and that bodes well for Antonio Gibson. He can also catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, so I'm all in on Gibson. Another one is DeAndre Swift. Anthony Lynn is going to run the football in Detroit. And speaking of underrated offensive lines, they drafted Penai Sewell. And to me, this Detroit line, if they can stay healthy, they, they can be a top 10 to 12 unit. DeAndre Swift can do a lot of things really good. And yes, they brought in Jamal Williams, but there's going to be enough touches for that backfield uh, for Jamal Williams to continue to be what he was in, in Green Bay. I, I think he's that, that quality number two running back, but as long as Swift is healthy, this is his backfield. What are you doing with the Green Bay Packers right now and Aaron Rodgers and the, Devontae Adams as this gets kind of played out? Uh, is your expectation that he's back in Green Bay? Does he get traded? Where, where are you doing as we're, let's say we're doing best balls right now or maybe we have a draft coming up in a week or two? I'm kind of worried about Aaron Rodgers, and I've been back and forth on Aaron Rodgers uh, all, all offseason long. First, I think he you know, was going to sit out. Then I thought he was going to play. But now the reports that I'm seeing you know, from former teammates and such are saying that there's no way he returns. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers, I'm, I'm going to wait. And if he falls to a place where I can't pass him up, I'll take him. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm going to pump the brakes at his current ADP and maybe pivot to uh, a Tom Brady or somebody like that. Um, and, and, and if Rodgers does not play, we have to discount Devontae Adams. We have to discount, you know, you know, guys like Robert Tanyan, who was uber efficient, almost like Mark Andrew was uh, in the end zone a few years ago. I don't even know if Tanyan topped 55 targets, and I know he scored a lot of touchdowns, but without Aaron Rodgers throwing the football, I don't even know if he's draftable in 12-team leagues. Aaron Jones would be the only one that I'd be willing to take a shot on. So obviously I know fantasy football analysts are in probably like 30 to 50 leagues every year. Uh, it's a volume game, but Obviously, I don't think Zeke Elliott's going to find his way on every one of your rosters, seeing as how early he's going to be drafted. Who are the names that are going to be on the highest percentage of your fantasy football teams this season? Um, you know, one of the guys I'm drafting a lot, and, and you know, he's cheap, is Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones uh, is familiar with Darryl Bevel in the offense. He's going from Matthew Stafford to Trevor Lawrence. If Trevor Lawrence is the real deal, he should be better than Matthew Stafford. Um, and Marvin Jones is the veteran of the group. And they have D.J. Chark and LaVishka Chenault, but a young quarterback's usually going to lean on the veteran receiver in the wide receiver room, and he's a big play threat. It wouldn't surprise me, Marvin Jones, where you can get him in the early double-digit rounds. He could lead Jacksonville in receiving. I have him on a lot of my teams. Uh, you know, some of the early guys, like uh, if I'm drafting earlier and it's Maybe a little bit too early for me to, you know, if I'm, if I'm third, I don't know if I'm reaching for Ezekiel Elliott when I know I can get him later. I, I like Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor over at Alvin Kamara this year.
Yeah, Taylor's a guy that that I have on a bunch of my teams when I can get him. Uh, it seems like the guy, you know, I tend to go running back early. It seems like the guy I have on a lot of my teams is still Jarvis Landry. Um, he winds up being my wide receiver three in a lot of places. So undervalued in fantasy. All he does is catch 80 balls a year. I, I know that's a run first run first team, but he's about as as safe as a guy, you know, when you're when when you're going wide receiver maybe in the fifth, sixth, seventh round as I can find so far this year. Yeah, I like Jarvis a lot. And and his ADP over at Underdog Fantasy right now is the ninety second player uh off the board. And last year he took a dip in fantasy points per game, only twelve and a half and that was pretty low for Jarvis Landry. But what I like uh, for Jarvis Landry this year is the fact that he's not going to be the number one. They're going to get Odell Beckham Jr. back. When Odell Beckham Jr. is on the field, he'll still command the coverage. And I do think we see a bounce-back season from Jarvis Landry. On the flip side, uh, you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a little bit earlier, but who are the other guys that are being drafted? I mean, maybe not so early, but just in general, that you are largely just avoiding. Um, you know, I mentioned him a little bit ago, Alvin Kamara. I have a lot of question marks about the Saints' offense, especially if Taysom Hill is under center. Uh, and, you know, in games that Taysom Hill was a starter last year, I mean, Alvin Kamara would catch at least one football in every game he's played. I think that was a stat, and then he blanked uh, that one time with Taysom Hill. And, there, and, and that pass-catching upside that made us love Alvin Kamara as a top four or five running back that wasn't there, so I'm highly questioning what Alvin Kamara's role is going to be. Um, and even if it's Jameis Winston, I don't know how efficient that offense is going to be with Jameis because if you think about Jameis's days in Tampa, he had Godwin, Evans, Howard, Bray. He had weapons there to put up those big numbers. And in New Orleans, outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, there's nothing else. We don't know what Adam Troutman is. The fantasy community wants him to do well, but we don't know. He could be Kobe, uh, Kobe Fleener all over again. You know, Trey Kwan Smith, are we really still waiting for that to happen? So I'm pretty much avoiding the Saints unless their players are falling into a, you know, a, a value I can't pass up. Uh, other guy, another guy I'm avoiding, uh, you know, we talked about the Packers. I'm, I'm kind of avoiding Devontae Adams right now. You know, Cam Akers, when you think about his ADP, Darrell Henderson looked really good in the, in early in that season when they were healthy. Uh, we also have to factor in, you know, Sean McVay's probably going to throw the football a lot, and I don't know if Cam Akers is just going to be inserted in that, into that old Todd Gurley role. Uh, so compared to, you know, what you have to pay for Cam Akers in your fantasy draft, I'd rather go get an Antonio Gibson or a Joe Mixon who are going right behind him. Anthony, good stuff. Really appreciate your insights as we uh, all get ready for the 2021 fantasy football season. As Casey mentioned earlier, you are on Twitter at the Real NFL Guru. That's correct. Yes, absolutely. And where can people find your fantasy football rankings and your work throughout the season? Well, I, I rank uh, in the ECR over at Fantasy Pros. Uh, you know, I have the FF Face Off, uh, which is a podcast and live stream has been around for a few years, but we recently just launched a website, and I also cover sports betting, fantasy, and the NFL in general over at the Game Day NFL. Well, genuinely appreciate you taking the time for us, man. Great stuff, and look forward Absolutely. to catching have up real day, soon. Guys. You too. Thank you. There he goes, Anthony Servino. Uh, 
fantasy football analyst. Uh, good information there as we all get our own personal opinions and rankings prepared for uh, what is maybe the most fun time of the you know, speculative sports Absolutely. season for myself and you, I know. Uh, enjoyed that. All right, we're going to take our third and final break. Uh, Our show has been brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. On the other side, we will do Kyle in the Kitchen. I did not get a chance to make them this week, but I know the recipe like the back of my hand, and it is truly maybe the thing that I think I know how to prepare best. I will be giving my rib recipe to everybody so that they might enjoy the delicious baby back ribs that I do believe that I have mastered. And keep in mind, I'm not using a smoker. I'm not using a grill. I'm using the oven. So... Kyle in the Kitchen is next. This is Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Kyle Ottenheimer, KZ, we will be right back. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Here it Watch out! For the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Hey everybody, this is Chris Ruling from Great Eights Memorabilia, and we want to invite you out to Jimmy's Famous Seafood on Sunday, July 25th. We will be there for the Casey Cares Return to Training Camp Crab Feast with Baltimore Raven linebacker Ty Bowser. Tickets are on sale now at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great, the number eight, letter S, Memorabilia.com. And remember, you always have a chance to be great. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com tell them glenn clark sent you window nation the perfect fit the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover thomas kenzora profiles university of maryland quarterback talia tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the terps to big 10 prominence this year also inside bo smolka breaks down the ravens offensive line a look at coppin state's olympic connection and much more press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. And we are back. Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox. Today's show has also been brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Without further ado... It's time for Kyle in the Kitchen. Kyle in the Kitchen is taped in front of a live studio audience. Indeed, the uh, famed Jeremy Kahn giving uncomfortable words over the sound of sizzling eggs, but always a good time. Kyle in the Kitchen is brought to you by the BMW Championship, and you're not going to want to miss this. The PGA Tour's top 70 golfers are coming to Baltimore to compete in the 2021 BG BMW Championship at Caves Valley Golf Club. Secure your tickets at bmwchampionship.com. So, yes, ribs. If I had to choose one thing that I am most confident cooking, it is probably these ribs. The key to any good ribs, in my opinion, are tender, fall off the bone, tasty glaze of sauce, and the balance has to be struck between both being, people hate this word, but moist, and having a little bit of char and some nice flavor developed through the outer crust of that glaze. A lot of people accomplish this in a smoker or on the grill to great effect. Obviously, people associate char with a grill for good reason. But I live in a townhouse. It's not always easy to grill. It's not always the easiest solution. And I think there's something to be said to being able to master the use of your oven. I do think I've done that. So, obviously, when you have ribs, it's important that you do your requisite beginning and get your whole seasoning to coat the ribs when they are raw. And I personally like to have a healthy mixture, healthy depending on who you're asking, of garlic powder, paprika, Old Bay, dry mustard, some crushed black pepper, a touch of salt, and some cayenne. Now, those are the, and there's more, don't worry. 
that'll be the about half of the seasoning mixture. So you have, I like to put it in a little cup or whatever you're using. You have that. I like to even put it in a plastic bag to mix it all together first. Whatever the amount of those seasoning mixtures are, you want to put that much brown sugar in to complement it. I prefer a nice savory and sweet combination, and of course barbecue sauce is largely sweet, but the brown sugar, it is a beautiful thing to have coating your ribs when you go low and slow in the oven, which is what we are going to be doing. So you get your seasoning mixture all mixed together and nice and tasty. You can taste it, you know, dip. Oh, did I mention Old Bay? You did. Yeah, okay, good. You get that all mixed together, taste it, you know, make sure it's to your liking. Then, after you've removed your ribs from the packaging, however it is they have them, and they're thawed, of course, you're going to want to pat them dry. You don't want it to be yes. too wet because the seasoning will not adhere to the ribs if they are wet. So pat them dry. And now, you know, some people say this step is not necessary. Some people say it is. Taste testers will say there's not much of a difference depending on whichever you do. I still do remove the silver skin from the bottom of the ribs. That is, of course, the uh, filmy layer. The I don't right. even know if it's a tendon or I don't even know how to what it technically is in the body of the, the pig. But you're going to want to pull that off. It's basically you're looking at the difference between the pink of the meat and the white film that you see covering the bones. You want to be able to see the bottom of the bones, and that's the goal here when you're pulling off the silver skin. I like to use a little paper towel, get the corner up with your fingernail, then use a paper towel to pull it and do your best to get as much of it off as you can. Once you can see the meat you know, between the bones and the bones themselves, you're, you're good enough. Now, I have taken to the method of a bit of yellow mustard, on top of the ribs in order to better secure the seasoning. You don't want to like make it so that you're completely like drenching it in mustard. You just want enough so that it covers the entirety of your rack of ribs. So a little artistic squiggly drizzle over the top, rub it in nice and good, make sure you got all that, flip it over, do the same on the other side, at which point you are now going to start coating your ribs in seasoning. Liberally, might I add. You want to have a lot of dry rub available on your ribs because I think the best ribs are flavorful. I don't think that's too controversial. That, that is not. And you want them to be covered every square inch of the ribs on the sides, on the top, on the bottom with a healthy amount of seasoning. You want your ribs to be the color of your dry rub because if they're still pink, you're doing it wrong. So... Once all of it is coated, I will remind you, we're doing low and slow. So you're going to want to get your oven set to 250 degrees. You could go lower if you wanted. But 250, it's a sweet spot for me. I like to do that. So you have your oven set, preheated and all that. You have your ribs, fully seasoned, beautiful, brownish, amber color due to the seasoning mixture and the brown sugar. After you got the yellow mustard, of course. This is where you are more in damage control time, right? Like, it's important that you are covering the ribs here. You are going to wrap them in foil. You need a healthy sheet of foil, a long one, so that you can fold it over both sides, turn the ends up. The goal here is, frankly, to protect the sheet pan that you're using. It's kind of annoying when you cook ribs in the oven for two and a half hours and you open it up and you've just got, like, pork juice all over the sheet pan because that's just more cleaning and a bit more complication for you after the fact. 
So I do two layers of foil. And it's important that you do your best. It's not maybe necessary. Like you're, ultimately, what you're happening here is the moisture is getting trapped inside the foil, which ensures that they are fall off the bone. But two layers of foil. The first one I'll go probably top side down, fold it over, and like almost press it down over the concave portion as best I can. There's often going to be a little bit of a gap, right? There's not, foil's not as wide as maybe the ribs if you're going to be folding all of it over. That's why I do two layers. After that, your second layer of foil, when they're still topside down, you're going to push that part down on the concave portion, carefully flip it over so that, you know, the foil's not folding under itself. And then again, Fold it back over so that you have two layers of foil protecting your raw and seasoned ribs. Sometimes I'll even go the extra mile after I've folded the edges over and take two smaller sheets of foil and just wrap those around the ends of gotcha. the ribs themselves. Again, okay. to do my best to make sure right. that all those juices are staying contained both for flavor and for cleanup. I don't like cleaning up too much. It's simpler right. the better. So once you've done that, you've got your sheet pan, you put some foil over top of that. A lot of foil involved. I hope you have the foil on hand. You're going to need it. You put the foil over top your sheet pan, and then you're going to slide those puppies into the oven at 250 for three hours. Three hours. Three hours. In the oven at 250. And okay. you're not worried about overcooking it because they are covered, right? Correct. Like the steam and all of that, the moisture is staying, staying contained. Inside. So that's a beautiful thing. And the house will start smelling really good and delicious as the ribs render. And you've got this beautiful, beautiful scent of pork emanating throughout the household. You'll catch a little bit of that brown sugar as well. That's always nice. After the three hours are up, I would say probably 30 minutes before your three hours are up, that's when you're going to want to prepare your sauce. Again, healthy amount of sauce. We're not skimping here on the seasoning or the sauce. Personally, my preferred sauce combination, you start with, I use the Mark Zuckerberg voice. They don't give us any money, but Sweet Baby Ray's. Have you seen the video of him saying yes, that? Yeah. yeah, really weird. Uh, Sweet Baby Ray's, a lot of that is your base of the sauce. You could make your own barbecue sauce if you're so inclined. I personally like to make this as easy as possible for myself. Of so, course. Sweet Baby Ray's, honey. Good bit of honey, not as much Sweet Baby Ray's, but like probably close to two to three tablespoons of honey in there. Okay. Make it a little sweeter. Uh, I have hot honey. If you have hot honey, go for it. No problem with having some heat. I'll add heat if I don't have hot honey. I'll put some sriracha in there. I have a host of hot sauces. I'll put some of that in there as well. I like to hit all the notes. I want sweet, savory, spicy, all of it. Then, a little bit more Old Bay. That's the only seasoning that I'll add to the actual sauce itself, not going crazy. It's not like you're trying to make that the you. prominent flavor. But Old Bay get, goes good in everything. Need to get that Old Bay hot sauce. I hear you. You need you need to do it. I, I keep hear on, you. In all the in, in the two I've I heard, don't think I need it. I have plenty of hot sauce and I've got Old Bay powder, so I'm, I'll know, be all right. I, I'm, t I'm just. I get you. it. It's probably delicious. I've heard unbelievable <laughs> things. So, Old Bay, and now, the secret component of my sauce, I like to pour a little bit of whiskey in to the okay. sauce. Not like a whole shot. Mind you, you Not don't want it to shot. taste like alcohol, but you want to just drizzle maybe a teaspoon, two teaspoons in there to give it a little bit of extra layer and flavor depth to it. You're Can we use bourbon? 
Yeah. Whatever your preferred brown liquor is. I wouldn't know about rum, but uh, whiskey, bourbon, all that good stuff. Scotch, maybe. I do whiskey. So give that a nice stir. Make sure it's nice and mixed. And then this is an important part of the sauce. I like to melt about two tablespoons of butter, and I pour that into the sauce as well to make it richer, to make sure that the next step of the process is maximized in what we're doing here. Okay. So you've got a little bit of a more sumptuous barbecue sauce here with the addition of the butter. It's silky smooth. Love it. Once your ribs are done at three hours at 250, pull them. Now, this is the part where the cleanup is either going to get harder or easier. (laughs) Carefully take off the edges of the foil around each end, and one of the other ones, open it up. You're going to see a lot of liquid pooled inside of that foil. I hope you have strong tin foil because what I do here, I have everyone keeps their grease container next to their you know stove yeah. if they're cooking bacon and all that. I'll lift the ribs in a bit of a treacherous manner via the foil. Hey, I hear you, but these are hot. It's not easy to just do it any differently. And make you it so you that... Don't, you don't move the, take the tray? And, no. No, okay. No. I'll lift the ribs with the foil, and you want to make sure that the foil is like a little bit pointed in a funnel sort of way so uh-huh. that it's not going to... like Nothing's bent over, so it's going to stop the flow. But you want to be able to know exactly how the liquid is going to flow out of the foil here. Okay. So... Lift the ribs, angle them, and carefully, I'm speaking here, angle them toward your grease container and pour as much of that grease out as you can. You want to get as much as you can, like almost all of it. Once you've gotten that grease into your grease container, it's not only grease, it's like tasty juices and flavor and all that good stuff. You can even pour a little bit of that into your barbecue sauce and mix it up. I've done that before. Tasty. You're going to remove that layer. There's less liquid now. There's going to be a little bit leftover residual, but remove that layer. Then you're going to flip them over because you're going to have to flip it over to get the other layer off. Remove that layer. There's going to be more liquid in there, so do the same thing with that layer okay. as well, but less this time since most of it has seeped and probably some of it will be on the sheet pan. That's just the way it goes. Pour that into the grease container. I like to start with a new, because I, like I said, a lot of tinfoil, with a new sheet of foil. For the next step, because... Let me me, me write this down on my grocery list. Yeah. Get tinfoil. Yeah, definitely. Keep tinfoil on hand at all times, folks. A new sheet of foil. Once you've removed the ribs from your sheet pan and hopefully contained whatever spillage happened, you're going to ball that up, throw it away, pour that into the grease container as well, because you don't want to have too much grease in your trash can. Show some respect for the trash people, folks. Now, lay out the foil carefully. It's going to be hot. Carefully transfer the ribs from the previous foil to the new foil, top side, actually probably top side down first because you're going to sauce both sides of these ribs. I have a nice silicone basting brush, whatever your preferred brush method is. You could use a fork if that's all you have. Pour the sauce, half of the sauce, not all the sauce. You need to have a lot for the top as well, maybe more for the top. On the bottom of the ribs, do a nice even coating, brush it down, brush it down, make sure you're getting the sides as well. Flip those over, and a healthy portion of sauce on the top. You're not just going for a glaze at this portion here. You want there to be like millimeters of sauce at the most points, like a lot of sauce, heavy sauce on top, as Mike Francesa says, sauces. You want that 
covering the top. Use your brush to distribute it as evenly as you can, and you're going to have parts that have more than others because some of it's going to slide down. That's not the end of the world, folks. It's fine. Now, once you have it covered in sauce, and I mean covered, and you should probably do this a little bit before, turn your stove or your oven on broil. Broil. Broil on low. I don't want it on high because if it's on high, you're probably going to have a hard time really controlling the level that you get the ribs on the top, and you're going to have some parts more burnt than others and to a point that maybe you don't want. So put it on low. Slide them back in the oven on broil on low. Now, this next part requires some babysitting. You're going to want to have your oven light on and periodically be checking in to make sure that everything's good. But you're safe to put 15 to 20 minutes on your timer and let that go. Because like I said, the sauce that's on top of the ribs, you got to get that reducing down. Your goal here is to, and the butter helps in this regard, is to have it nice and bubbling and turning into this beautiful caramelized thing on top of the ribs. So 15 minutes or so go by. You're going to want to Poke your head in there and check and make sure that nothing's on fire well, or nothing's really burned. You could poke your head if you want. I was like, don't poke your head in there. And then after that, determine whether or not you have the proper caramelization. You want to have bits of char on the top of this. I mentioned before, it's an important aspect. This is the picture of the ribs. It's an important aspect really good. of the ribs themselves. Check back. Make sure that's there. If not... Set the timer for five to seven more minutes more. And keep up this process until you get that beautiful caramelization, until the ribs are no longer the color of the barbecue sauce, but a darker brown color of that combined with bits of char, bits of flavor. It's not going to make them dry on the inside. Don't worry about that. That's my promise. Once they are at your desired level, pull them. Let them rest. Let them rest for a little bit. For your sake, it's going to be hard to eat them when they're right out of the oven. But also, it helps the juices keep in and suck up all that moisture and make sure that they're at their optimal level. Ten minutes is probably all you need. After that, you can either take a knife or if you choose to do the whole hand separation, either works. Like I said, these are fall off the bone, so you're not going to have trouble pulling them from the bone itself. The question is just how uniform you want the rib sizes to be. So if you want there to be a neat and even cut, then go ahead and use a chef's knife and just get at it. After there, it's, 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 all, it's all downhill from there. It's just delicious rib eating. No one's going to be upset. Everybody loves it. I literally, my parents make me bring multiple racks of ribs every year to Christmas dinner because we have like a, not potluck, but like we'll have family right, over right. and you know, have stuff out on the table for people to grab and eat. And the plate is always cleared. They are delicious. I will, I will defend this recipe to my death. And now you have access to it yourself. So... That was Kyle in the kitchen. I hope everybody learned something. You don't need a grill or a smoker to make delicious ribs. Low and slow in the oven. Broil them after you sauce them. You'll be a happy camper. I hope everybody learned something and and is going to try it themselves. And get back to me if you do, because I think you won't be disappointed. So, that brings us to tidbit of the day. Uh, Tidbit of the day is brought to you by Window Nation. And Window Nation has an incredible deal right now, folks. You can get 50% off all styles of windows, plus put no money down. 
make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. Talked a lot about some football today. Obviously, the NFL season is around the corner, and fantasy football was a topic of conversation as well. Of course, Lamar Jackson and company, the Baltimore Ravens, hope to make it to the Super Bowl and win it this year. We know that he gets criticized for his abilities as a quarterback because he's a running quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Well, nonsense. He's great. For what it's worth, figure it'll happen this year. He's only 200-yard rushing games shy of Michael Vick for the most of a quarterback in their career, and Lamar is, I believe, only 24 years old or 25 years old, so I believe he will shatter that record by the time it's all said and done. And, of course, Lamar's running ability contributes to the Ravens' rushing volume. The Ravens run the ball more than any team in football, but if not for Lamar Jackson, that probably wouldn't be the case. In fact, Number of running back rushing attempts per team in 2020, the Ravens ranked 12th at 362. 11 teams gave the ball to their running backs to carry more than the Baltimore Ravens. The Falcons are right above them. The top four, the Colts, Vikings, Browns, and Titans all had over 400 carries for their running backs in 2020. So there's some information to be gleaned there for fantasy football purposes as well. Speaking of fantasy football and 400, since the year 2016, Ken Zalas. 2016. Five quarterbacks have at least five 400-yard passing games. Who are those quarterbacks? Mm, Breeze? No. Really? Really. Good start. Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers does have five. Brady. No. Manning. No. I like you that you just didn't name specifically. Since 2016, I think Peyton Manning was retired. Was he? Point, I he? just okay. certainly wasn't throwing him in his final season. Um, 400-yard games. Um, Russell Wilson. No. Jeez. Let's see. Who throws the ball all over the field? Um, Dak hasn't played enough, I don't think. Oof, 2016. Um, how long has Andrew Luck been retired? It is not Andrew Luck, I'll just give you that. How long has he been retired, though? Well, it's been probably three years. It's a lot. It is. I had him on my, uh... I kept on holding him on my dynasty league. I don't think it's going to pay off. I, I I finally let him go. <laughs> I finally let him go. This was my cutoff year. I'm like, eh, maybe they could do that. Uh, I'm going to go an oddball just because he's had some really big games. And then Jameis Winston. Not Jameis Winston, although he certainly did have his fair share when he was in Tampa. How many am I looking for? That they you still to? need to name four. No, but how many yards? There are 400 yards. And how many times? Five times. Five times. Sure it wasn't Jameis Winston? <laughs> I'm sure. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick. Five for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Really? Yes, indeed. I kind of just threw that out. He was on Tampa, so he had a few there. And then, of course, he's found ways to get those yards in other places. Hmm. That's interesting. I just kind of threw that one out. Um, One name you were just purely forgetting. I mean, Uh, granted, he's entered the league after 2016, but yeah. Yeah. Mahomes. Mahomes okay. has okay. five. Okay. Well, yeah. you said I was, I was clearly forgetting. Um, what about uh, what about the guy we don't like, uh, Big Ben? Not Ben Roethlisberger, though he certainly has had more than that in his career. Shh. Matt Ryan. Not Matt Ryan, although he too has had more than <laughs> that in his career. Wow, Philip Rivers. Not Philip Rivers. I'm 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 running out of names. No, you're not. No, I really am. No, you're not. I feel like I am. Keep struggling. Has Josh Allen done five? Not Josh Allen. Cam? Not Cam. I'm trying to think of it. since 2016. I'm I'm truly running out of names. I need two more. You need. Oh, I t- stupid. Two um, more, yeah. Uh, Matt Stafford has to be. It is not Matt Stafford oh either. God. Look, for what it's worth, you said one of the names, but you didn't guess him. So you were like, oh, and you probably should have just guessed him. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> That's too bad for you. I really don't remember what I said. You said he probably hasn't played enough. I said he hasn't played enough. I said that about Josh Allen. I don't know. Uh, 2016. And this guy has the most, by the way. Seven. Seven? Passing performances for this player. Oh, my goodness. Dan Marino. No, kidding. He, he was probably retired. I can't believe it wasn't Stafford. He's thrown for so many yards. He has thrown for a lot of yards. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has five. On the list is Kirk Cousins. Wow. That's surprising. Hmm. I don't know. Um, What do I need to you are missing, I believe, only one now. Oh, this is so The hard. guy with the most. The you said his name throughout the guessing thing without guessing him. Eli Manning. No. I didn't guess him? Well, who would I say? Well, that's for you to figure out. I said Brady. I said Breeze. I said Aaron Rodgers. I said Mahomes, Rivers. Dak Prescott? Seven. Oh, that's the guy I said? Seven 400-yard passing You should have given me that. I bet you don't. I like to make sure you're guessing. Glenn will just throw names I, out I, and cheat and try no, and be like, well, it's, like, not, it's not this person. It's not, is it that person? And just well, say the name. Just guess it. That's some uh, conviction. Dak Prescott leads football since 2016 in 400-yard passing performances. I don't, I don't really know. With seven. What do you not really know? 
really. I, I that surprises me. the 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 thing that surprised me in that more than anything was the Matt Stafford doesn't have five. It is mildly surprising. I'll give you that. I I, I really, I really thought he would have been one of them. Frankly, I might have as well, but he isn't. I know. Well, look at that. Look at that indeed, KZ. Look at that indeed. That brings us to Totally Tubular. Totally Tubular is brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. And like we said before, we will see you July 25th at Jimmy's Famous Seafood for the Return to Training Camp Crab Feast featuring Tyus Bowser and benefiting Casey Cares. $108.00. Crab Feast with Maryland Steam Crabs, a buffet of Jimmy's Seafood favorites, an open bar, and an open, excuse me, your VIP meet and greet, an autograph opportunity with Tyus Bowser. You can get your tickets now by going to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. On tap this weekend, baseball's back officially after there being a false start last night due to COVID. Uh, the Orioles are on tonight at 8, squaring off against the Royals on Masson 2. Masson has Padres Nationals at 7. Uh, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, the Twins and Tigers face off. I'm not sure what the status of this game is, but MLB Network is scheduled to have Red Sox-Yankees at 7. Doesn't sound good. Yeah, we will see. Uh, the British Open Round 2 has already been happening. Um, if you're really that interested, then... Too bad, you might have missed it. The Barbasol Championship is on it. Round two is on at five on Golf Channel. Fox Sports 1 has CONCACAF Gold Cup action between Guadalupe and Jamaica at 6.30, and then Suriname and Costa Rica at 8.30 face-off. NBC Sports Network, Tour de France ongoing, perhaps over by now. Uh, Australia versus the USA women's basketball team is this afternoon at 2.30. And then the men... Australia and USA face off at 6. That has been tonight. canceled. That has been canceled, evidently. That so has been postponed. Go ahead and erase uh, that. Due to the Bradley Beal uh, uh, COVID yes. um, situation. Well, then, uh, forget I said anything. Uh, the basketball tournament on ESPN is at 7, and then also at 9 on ESPN 2. Showtime has some UFC, or Bellator, I should say. Bellator 262, Juliana Velasquez and Denise Kielholtz at 9. Fox... WWE SmackDown at 8. On Saturday, you have Orioles Royals Part 2. That is at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Uh, On Masson 2 that day, you have Padres Nationals at 7 o'clock as well. Fox Sports 1 with Indians A's at 4 o'clock. CONCACAF Gold Cup action between Granada and Cutter at 7.30 and Panama and Honduras at 9.30. Again, Fox was scheduled to have Red Sox-Yankees at 7.15. Remains to be seen what the status of all that is, but we'll see. I'll be networked with Rangers Blue Jays tomorrow at 3 and Mariners Angels at 10 o'clock on MLB Network, the thing people are most interested in on Saturday. Game five of the NBA Finals as it returns back to Phoenix. The Bucks and, uh, and uh, the Suns tied at 2-2. That's a 9 o'clock game on ABC. So I am sure we will all be waiting with bated breath to see just how that goes. On the If you want to wake up at 7 a.m., or 5 a.m. on Peacock. You can catch uh, the NBC British Open round three at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. 
the Haskell Stakes are at 5. Basketball tournament continues tomorrow afternoon at 12 on ESPN. Some MLS action, the Revolution and United face off at 5. And UFC Fight Night, Islam Makachev and Tiago Moises at 7. Uh, tomorrow morning, Tour de France Stage 20. That's close to the end of it, I believe. 7.30 a.m. on NBC Sports Network. D.C. United faces Philadelphia Union at 7.30 tomorrow night on NBC Sports Washington. Sunday, Masson Orioles-Royals, final game of the series, 2 p.m. Uh, Padres Nationals will be on Masson and uh, TBS nationally. That's at 1 o'clock. Uh, Cubs Diamondbacks on MLB Network at 4. The final round of the British Open starts at 7 a.m. on NBC. The coverage is at 4 a.m. on Peacock, if you so desire. Uh, Gold Cup, the men's national team faces off against Canada at 5 o'clock Sunday on Fox. Huge game. It is. Fox Sports 2 has Martinique and Haiti at 5, and Guatemala versus Trinidad and Tobago Tobago at 10 o'clock. On Fox Sports 1, uh, Mexico and El Salvador at 10 p.m. Basketball tournament continues 12 and 4 o'clock on ESPN. That's uh, sandwiched. You have the Sounders and the United, Minnesota United, from the MLS action at 2. Again, Yankees-Red Sox scheduled for 7. We'll see. Uh, The final stage of the Tour de France, I have to assume. Uh, That's uh, 10.30 a.m. on NBC Sports Network, and the coverage continues at 2 on NBC. Uh, NASCAR action at 3 with the Cup Series, and then PLL All-Star Game is at 7 on NBC Sports Network. Uh, Spanish and USA basketball exhibition was scheduled for nine. I suppose we'll wait and see we'll exactly and see about that what the status of that is. Uh, non-sports. On Sunday, you've got on AMC, Discovery of Witches, and Kevin can F himself. Uh, HBO, The White Lotus, a new thing called A 100-Foot Wave at 10. I don't know, but check it out. Uh, Discovery has a documentary titled Serengeti, narrated by Lupita Nyong'o about, I imagine, the Serengeti at 8 o'clock. There is also something uh, on Sunday for the uh, finale, I believe, thereabout of Shark Week, or maybe it's officially you know, over by then, but there's a shark-centric uh, program titled None Other Than Shark Academy. I genuinely don't know what that means, but check it out. 10 o'clock on Discovery Channel. Showtime, The End at 8, The Shy at 9, Black Monday at about 10, Flatbush Misdemeanors at 10.30, Jesus and Miro at 11, and then Stars... Uh, Power Book 3, Rise of Canaan, I don't know, 8 o'clock. Blind Spotting at 9 and everything else. Just check it out at glennclarkradio.com. That about does it for today's program. Uh, special thanks to Ken Zalis for lending his expertise and help throughout the week. Uh, well, appreciate my, you well, sitting help. in. Well, you have all help. this expertise, my Casey. My, Fantasy my football help, expertise. My help. <laughs> expertise in MLB draft. You're an MLB draft guru. Yes. Uh, thank you for sitting in for the past five days. It's been a good time. It's Six days. Six it's been days. fun. The yes. reunion of Fantasy and Reality was fun yesterday. Yes, and, a lot uh, of fun. Next week, for those wondering, Glenn will not be back yet, but Stan the Fan Charles will be sitting in KZ's seat as we will talk about a lot of different stuff as the week rolls along. Already have... On Monday, we are scheduled to chat with Orioles' third-round pick, uh, Reed Trimble. Trimble. Reed Trimble, that's his name, a lot of names. Reed Trimble, the Southern Mississippi sophomore, is scheduled to join us. He was flying into Baltimore, I believe, today, so he was unable to do this morning. 
Uh, Jeremy Kahn, I believe, will join us. I kind of forgot about our usual regulars I, this I week. Was gonna, I yeah. was very disappointed I'm I sorry. didn't have a Jeremy Kahn you didn't, segment. You didn't say anything about it. We well, were talking about all the stuff know, we booked I, and all that. I, and then, the week I, roll along, and Monday and Wednesday st- passed. I try to stay in my lane. I hear you. Know, you. Look, you your know. lane is you're helping me. You got to help me. I, I'm sorry. Jeremy Kahn will likely join us on Monday, and uh, maybe KZ can zoom in and be a part of it if he's so I, inclined. I was I I was very disappointed that that wasn't. I'm sorry, KZ. I'm sorry. <laughs> and of course, stuff and things. We got irons and fires and all that fun stuff. Uh, thank you to our guests this morning, Glenn Clark. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, J.D. Mundy, as well as Anthony Servino. If you missed any of it, we'll get it all up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives tab at glennclarkradio.com. Thanks to our sponsors and partners, U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, the Chesapeake Employers Insurance folks, uh, ExxonMobil, KNS Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Ace Memorabilia, Sports and Social, MD, the BMW Championship, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, and your local Toyota dealers, and buyatoyota.com. So, everybody have a great weekend. Uh, until Monday, uh, Kyle Ottenheimer, you can follow me at K. Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis, at Fans Fantasy. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. <laughs>